Welcome back, friends. Lost Guy here, and it's time for basically a podcast. I know it's been a while because guess who had back surgery? It, me. That's who. Okay, so we're here. We didn't get all the guests we wanted before we got to the election, but I got the most important guest, and that is Two Prime over here. And oh. <laughs> I just smiled. I assumed that was enough. Yeah, I suppose that is enough. And so. Basically, the angle here is, like, we do inter- I do interviews and stuff and educational stuff. For this one, it's more politics because the election's almost here. Like, when this comes out, the election's going to be a couple days away. And I figure the angle here is a layman who tries to pay attention but doesn't do a good job. Me, 2Prime, who pays way better attention and knows more than I do. So, might go well as a talk about politics, but we'll talk about other things as, as well because, of course. But, yeah, here's 2Prime. We don't remember who 2Prime is. Uh, they are a... Shit posting extraordinaire when it comes to their YouTube videos. And they are in real life an anime girl. Yeah, there you go. I'm just it it's funny looking at this thing. It really is. I achieved my dreams and became an anime girl. That's what everyone really wants deep down. <laughs> yes, yes. Everyone wants this thing. Uh, let's see what up. All right, so okay. I need to uh, call you by your internet name, or else I'm going to accidentally call you by your real name. How are you <laughs> doing, Lost Scarf? Are you having a good time? Yes, I'm having a great time. Two Prime, that is your real name, Lost, Lost Scarf. I think you're lying. I think you've been on your back for a week straight. <laughs> okay, yes. So why not talk about back surgery? Why not as the start of this whole thing? Because that's what I'm doing. Um, it sucks. Not fun. Uh, it's a fun experience. Not really. Uh, it was a fun experience. So you get, you go to a, you go to a hospital, of course, and then they prep you for, you gotta, you, they take all your clothes off. You gotta wear a gown thing. They have these special socks you need to wear. And then they're just, they're stabbing needles into you and they're taking your blood pressure and everything and they're trying to explain things it's very chaotic it's crazy and then they make sure you get to know the anesthesiologist because that matters for some reason and you get to know your nurses like they're like this is them they're human people they're gonna make sure you don't die today it's like that's great i would just assume that but all right and a funny thing is i don't know if you've ever gone under before but when they did the surgery, they're like, all right, here's your, here's the surgery bed when I'm laying there. They put the gas mask on. They're like, okay, so we're just going to introduce a little bit and then I'm out. Just blink and I'm gone. And apparently I was out for five hours. And then it's like, whenever you see these things where people, they're just waking up or whatever in, in movies. It's kind of like that, really. You're just, you're, you're, you got blurry vision, you can't tell what the hell's going on, and you're sort of trying to wake up, and people are talking to you, trying to make sure you're cognizant, but you're not. And apparently I was hilarious. I was so hilarious while I was not sure what I was going on. I was just, I was saying things which I don't even remember anymore. And all the nurses were laughing. And then they said, okay, we need you to stop. This other guy's stitches are starting to mess up a little bit. Like, okay. And it's just a, a weird, hectic process. And then, apparently, the way it works is to clear you out of a hospital so you can go home is you have to be able to walk under your own power and you need to be able to use the bathroom. So, 
they prop me up, I take two steps, like, okay, he can mock, and then they put me in a wheelchair. <laughs> and then they they also just picked me up and put me on a toilet. And then it's like, and then we just sat there and I spoke gibberish until something happened. And they're like, okay, you're good. And then and they just these they wheelchaired me to a car to my ride and then put me in it and then that was it. It was kind of silly. I think it's also because quitting time is five o'clock and I was there from like ten to four. And I'm actually curious now I should look up what the hell does an IV do to you? Because it's supposed to give you whatever I guess your body needs, because that's all mm -hmm. I had for 24 hours was that IV. Mm -hmm. And oh, I forgot to mention is uh, waking up, my mouth hurt because there was a tube down my throat for five hours. Did you have a catheter? No. All right. I'll be honest. Other I, things, I, th I, I think other things would have hurt then, right? Yeah. Um, I kind of, I feel like I would have wanted a catheter considering what happened after. So after all that surgery, I'm at home. And I can't move for shit. I can't do anything. Uh, like, okay, okay, there's 20 stairs to get to my apartment. So it's just me just yelling uh, the F word over and over and over again as I slowly go up the stairs. Like, one, two, just like two-stepping every stair. And just just screaming it out trying to just yell through the pain that was fun my apartment complex has 20 kids in it <laughs> they've learned a word today that day and just like opening the door everything just sucked it really sucked it was just pain lots of pain you don't uh, you don't understand how integral your spine is until you can't use it very interesting uh see i got, I got into this bed behind me and I just laid there. And I had a big bowl of mashed potatoes. And by the way, eating while horizontal the entire time is a very weird experience. Oh, right, right. So I had my family help me out with uh, with things. So like, they basically had to just move me around to do things because if I, I couldn't do anything. Drugged up and all. But one key thing was they had to make sure... Uh, apparently your neck has to be like a 30 degree angle in your pillow. Because mm -hmm. what how the drugs work, how they could uh, come back up, or else you mm -hmm. go the way of Hendrix. Like that's basically what could happen. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, that's that's cool, that's great, and yeah, I just couldn't move. I just had a like a bunch of mashed potatoes. All I ate, and then I got so yeah, and then you actually called me that night, and we talked. Mm -hmm. because you've had some back issues oh yeah i um i did wrestling in high school and i fractured my lower back Oof. um but it was like i don't know it was like the bone that kind of, it's kind of like the little wingy bone that's kind of like hold on, i don't i don't know because i forgot what they're called the lamina but, yeah but like i kind of like clipped the wings on it or something Ooh. um and it doesn't heal. Just like basically, I just had to get rock hard abs <laughs> and really flexible um, hamstrings, and uh, it eventually kind of stabilized. But yeah, I don't know. The bones would rub against each other Eey. and just spaz the muscle out of my back. It hasn't happened in years though, so I think I'm doing okay. 
But I originally, I originally went to like an orthopedic surgeon who mostly just deals with old people all day. And he's just like, yep, you should, um, you should walk and ride a bike for the rest of your life. And I'm like, what? And I went to a <laughs> sports doctor and they're just like, oh, I don't know. Just do PT. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was always worried for a while. Like, what if someone roundhouse kicks me in the back? Will I be paralyzed now? Like, what's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah, I have that fear now for sure. Um, like, uh, so my surgeon's a sports doctor for one of the colleges. He's like, yeah, regularly these guys get hurt in that exact same area. So I know what, so I know what I'm doing. It's like, all right, that's good. That's good to know. I have a football injury. Okay. Um, oh yeah. What they did is, so they went in me like, oh, you just take a piece of meat and just cut a line down it and just tear that open like that. And that's what they did to my back. Uh, and so like they got in there and they just sh they just cut out a bunch of the disc and they also shaved some other parts of the disc and it's going to take six weeks for it to scab up apparently like it takes that long to to heal it don't you don't grow a new disc it's just whatever disc you got is what it is so they took out enough to make sure it doesn't come back out and and mess with my nerves. Because what happened was it was squeezing my nerves because it got pushed out of the disc when the car accident... The disc got mm. pushed out when the car accident happened. So, it's the L4, L5, which is right there at the... Basically at the base of your spine. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a big deal, that, that disc. And so, I can't really twist. I can't really bend. Everything I must do is like this. I must be upright at all times. It is not fun. Especially, just imagine, like, well, I have to get out of bed like that. It's just, and, like, you can't, like, Undertaker get up. I have to, what I have to do is called the log roll, where I roll to my side, and then I have to just push myself up while being stiff as a board, which is very not easy to do. So I'm sh I messed it up a couple times doing that, because they wanted me to walk the next day. I'm like, all right, because I gotta walk. Extreme pain, extreme pain, extreme pain. The whole thing was extremely painful. I, every time I had to get up at, out of bed and get back into bed, it was just a lot of pain. And I really felt like I was tearing it back open. And the bandages had some blood on it, so maybe I did. I don't know. But they they used... The way one of the surgeons put it is they used a... They put like a, a layer of, of glue over my... Uh, over the incision. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious what came out of me then. Uh, it kind of makes me wonder, like, I mean, I guess if you're getting back surgery, you're not in a position to, like, work out a ton. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, it makes me seem like, man, I, if, like, if I knew I was going to get back surgery, it would be nice to be, like, a swole beast ahead of time. Yeah. To, like, compensate uh, for the after, if that makes sense. That's what I did. That's what I did for the last six months. I worked out six days a week. <laughs> For six months in preparation because I'm going to lose all my muscle. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, it's just going to waste away over three months. Uh, like, some of it will come back once I'm able to work out again. But So, yeah, I worked out six days a week just bulking up uh, in preparation for when I'm going to just lose all my muscle from all this. Mm -hmm. I Have you ever seen those videos where, like, a uh, golden retriever barks at a bear, like a grizzly bear, and the bear runs away? Hmm. No. I, someone was mentioning just like, um, I forget the context where I saw this, but, uh, like, 
Yeah, like a bear could rip a golden retriever in half. Like there's no way a bear could lose. Yeah. The the issue is, um, you know, while while the the bear is killing the dog, if the dog gets like one good bite on them, like that could get infected and the bear could die. Like there's no bear health care. Hmm. So, you know, they they can they definitely can win if they need to win. You know, if the if they're threatening their cubs or something, they'll definitely fight. But, like, they're just really risk-adverse, where if you get hurt in the wild, you're just gonna die. Like, um... Yeah. Like, someone was saying, like, I can't remember the context of this either, but someone was just saying, like, what's, like, the the first sign of, like, civilization of humans? And their answer was, like, a, a femur bone that, like, you can tell if a bone broke at some point in someone's life. Yeah. And they're, like, a femur bone that has healed, because... Any animal who breaks their leg is 100% dead. There's no coming back from not having a leg for, like, a couple months or something. Uh, and so, you know, like, when, when did human society exist when someone could break a leg and they just take care of them until the leg heals kind of thing? Um, I don't know. So I, This is the unrelated to what we were talking about. <laughs> like, discs don't heal. I'm like, why don't discs heal? Like, I wonder if just, like, your body just assumes, oh, you're fucking dead. Like, you, 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 you broke this? We're not bothering to heal this. You're just gonna die. Um, like, because, uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm assuming bones just have the bone healing mechanic, because you could break your arm and that would heal, and you might not necessarily be dead. It's just more like if you break your leg, probably any animal who breaks their leg just, you know, they're, they're just writing you off. Yeah. It's not a bad assumption of biology with that. Like... Uh, the human body is so efficient that it becomes detrimental at times, which is why, uh, like, the reason the body has is why fat is the last thing you lose, why you lose muscle first is, uh, your fat's your emergency food while your muscle isn't. Mm -hmm. Which I always find weird, because I'd rather burn my fat first so that I still have my muscle if I need it. Mm -hmm. I don't get the logic behind that, but that's what your body's done, because... Your body's used to you just being ripped all the time. Like, we're mm. talking like caveman time. Like, you were ripped. Like, you were doing shit all the time. So yeah. the fat was there. Like, you weren't getting that much fat at first. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm assuming at some point, um, you could probably just trick your body. Like, I'm just assuming, like, in the future, if I give it a couple hundred years, I'm assuming you could just trick your body into being swole. Like, and not, not having to work out for it. Um, but, uh, like, like, I mean, one of the main benefits of exercise is just kind of the, like, the, the response your body has to it. And I don't know, maybe in the future you could just take a pill to have that response instead. Um, but, I don't know, that seems kind of cheating. <laughs> like... I do kind of like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll just be an old man while people take pills to be like, like more net, like not like steroids, but just like, you know, just like trick your body into having like correct responses to health and things like that. But it's like, I don't know. It does seem like there's some kind of justice of you actually have to work out and do stuff in order to get the appropriate response. Uh, uh, but anyway, the, um, Let's see what's going on. What? All right, all right, all right. Uh, Lost scarf. Yes. What? Um, have you watched any of these debates? What's your read as a as a 
a slightly disattached political person. My th- okay, okay. So this is the thing: is I didn't watch the debates. I had everyone yell about the debates at me. Okay. It was a lot of so people wait, just what? being angry at the shit show that was the first one. And what, then, what's your what's? Oh yeah. As I was say, what's your exposure? Like you have like conservative coworkers. Is that your main source of conservative perspective on things? Yeah, pretty much. My oh, okay. Also, my family's conservative. Like everyone <laughs> around me, I'm in California. Everyone around me is conservative, but me. Mm-hmm. It's which is which weirds everyone out because like California's really really left. And but the truth of the matter is. It, there's millions of conservatives in California. There's just a couple million more uh, liberals in California. That's really it. Yeah, I will say uh, I've lived in states that I've lived in red states, and the amount of like California, the liberal, you know, the liberal dystopia is like fucking nonsense. It's <laughs> the, like I pay the exact same amount of taxes in California as I paid elsewhere. Like, okay, by the way, East Coast has high taxes. Like, Illinois has high taxes. California, if you look at, like, the list of states and their tax rates, California is really not that bad. It's weird that it gets that rep. Like, I'm sure if you're in a city, you'll get higher. Like, there might be certain city taxes or something, but it's not, like, ridiculous or anything. Yeah. Do you want... Your red state to become like California, the richest state in the nation? <laughs> I don't think so. So, yeah, so uh, for sorry, me, it's fine. just a lot of just people bitching about California. A lot of people bitching about California or the, the main complaints I hear around people around me or my, or my family is they bitch about all the gun laws and they bitch about the taxes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't see the problem with making the magazines only hold, like, 10 instead of 30 bullets. You just have to reload more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't... It's just a lot of complaining, and it just feels like... it. Listen, listen. I don't in know. People's, in people's home invasion fantasy, when someone comes to assassinate them, they need to go Rambo on them. <laughs> like, on the, off, you know, on the one in a trillion chance... The home invasion happens. They need to be ready, okay? It's not irrational at all. Yeah, like, I have an uncle who's straight up ready for the Civil War. He's loaded for that. It's totally in his mind that's going to happen, and it just weirds me out. Uh, Okay, the... uh, uh, Let's see here. So, uh, let me try and think of a more structured way to talk about the election. Um, Okay, so... Okay, here's here's the thing that I find weird about the election. So I like stats. Uh, I like predictive modeling. Um, I like polling and all that stuff. Um, I'm definitely on the statsy side of Twitter um, and follow all those people. Um, the the thing that seems weird to me is um, people tend to over like. I also like betting and like sports analytics and things like that mm-hmm. and. Um, the people tend to overreact to the last thing that like prominent thing that happened. Like if a good team in football is upset by a really bad team, like the line, like usually like any given win or loss in football is like more random than people give it credit for. So if someone gets an unlucky loss, like they'll assume next week they're just worse than they are. And like the line, 
of like what people are betting is kind of off that next game. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, Hillary Clinton was um, like seemed like she was going to win in 2016 and then Trump won in a surprise. And for some reason that like, I think is um, insulating people against like really blatant reality of the current situation where, you know, hey, man, you know, like, whatever, like Trump could technically still win this election. But if it was anyone else, any other year, everyone would be like, yo, Trump's in serious trouble. Like if the election was held today, like a lot of the a lot of the um, chances that um, Trump is being given in election modeling and things like that is just because, like, I don't know, some crazy crap could happen in the next two weeks. But, like, if the election was held today, the probability of Trump winning would be very, very, very low. Um, actually, okay, so let me just to recap 2016 real fast. I think, I think Clinton was winning by about maybe, like, 5%. Um, uh, so the one thing that's weird is, like, Electoral College is based in the states, right? So the national popular vote doesn't actually matter. Um, but people still talk about national polls just because it's kind of an easier shorthand than like talking about the polling of eight swing states. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's definitely a rural bias in the Electoral College. And currently um, the rural bias goes towards Republicans. So like, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know if like you could, you know, a Democrat could be up 1% in the national popular vote. And if they have really good allocation of that, they could win easily. Um, or you could be more like Hillary Clinton, where I think she won the popular vote by maybe like two or 3%. And her allocation of that vote was really bad. So she lost electoral college pretty badly. Hmm. So I think Clinton was up maybe like 5% in 2016. And there was a late shift towards Trump. And so then it went from maybe like five to like 3%. But once you're only winning by 3%, then you're in the electoral college might screw you territory. Hmm. Uh, And there's, okay, something that's interesting. There's, uh, so uh, do you know what systematic polling errors are, lost scarf? No, I do not. Okay, so... If you just called, uh, if, if you just did like live calling where you just randomly call uh, a thousand cell phones and ask them who they're voting for, um, that would be a decent random sample. But there'd be certain, by, and like, you know, that raw number might not be totally wrong. Um, but the problem is just certain people might not have cell phones, certain people might not answer numbers they don't know. Mm. And it might be more or less in certain demographics. So the problem might be is like a pollster might know that only, let's say, um, I don't know, 10% of the electorate is black men. And black men tend to vote a certain way. Um, But only 5% of the people that answered their phone in your poll are black men. So you could do nothing and just kind of live with that um, bias. Or you could basically say the 5% of black men that did answer your poll, uh, their votes count as double. Hmm. 
You can do something like that. So that's waiting. Um, so if someone's overrepresented, you might like if a group is overrepresented, you might weight them down. If a group's underrepresented, you might weight them up. Yeah. Now, you know, if like if two black men resp- responded to your poll, that's probably not enough black men to extrapolate uh, to ten percent of your poll. If that makes sense, like you can't have two people represent what should have been a hundred people. You know, um, but so pollsters have different methods and they debate about things like that. And so I think one of the assumptions that was so the polling industry can't have certain assumptions that are wrong in any given election year. So the one that was uh, the one that was a problem for 2016 is. I think they kind of assumed that white people uh, like white people were representative of white people, like white men vote a certain way, white women vote a certain way. And you don't have to wait any more than that. Mm. And there was a strong break in. Okay, I mean, they the proxy they use is education. What they kind of it's really more of a class thing, like um, basically like working class white people broke for Trump in a way that um, like richer white people didn't. So they use education as a proxy. So it's. College-educated white people didn't break for Trump in the way uncollege edu- uh, people people without a college education white people yeah. broke for Trump. So that well, that would be a systematic polling error where there was just like less um, non-college-educated white people in polling samples, and basically college-educated white people were being were, were representing them in polls more and people weren't waiting for that difference and so uh trump was under polling in certain states because of that does that make sense yeah so that tended to show up in the northern states that northern midwest states that trump won i think it was it was iowa it was no, that one not, not iowa it was uh wisconsin michigan and pennsylvania i think is where that showed up the most so the prop so that's kind of, so like in a lot of ways if you look at like what the 2016 election stuff was the polls weren't like super wrong like the popular vote polls were pretty much right of like Clinton winning by like two to three percent um and uh it just like it didn't get allocated in the rights you know like winning California by four million votes or I made that number up but you know winning California by a lot doesn't help you win the electoral college, right? Yeah. Uh, if those four, you know, if that if the California margin was was spread across the country into a bunch of swing states, like Clinton could have won. It's, so there's just there's the popular vote, but then there's how it manifests within the states and electoral college that actually matters. Um, and there was maybe some bias in terms of 2016 in terms of under polling of states like Wisconsin. They just hadn't gone Republican in a long time, and people weren't really like. Because of like maybe the polling bias of um, of uh, non college educated people, uh, like maybe people didn't realize how close states like Wisconsin were. Um, but then on top of it, there was some late movement and like people weren't polling those states a bunch, so like that's how you end up with these polling errors. Um, but uh, I, you may have heard like I don't know. Sometimes people like to say like oh. 
Trump Trump voters are lying to pollsters. There are shy Trump voters. Uh, you're talking about shy oh, Trump funny. voters. Oh, I thought you were just. Uh, I I said Lost Scarf's real name, and you started clapping to restart the recording. And I thought he just was applauding. What a great fucking point I made. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, let's see here. The uh. So yeah, like the, so there are like things like so that's where like a systematic uh like how systematic polling errors happens. Like that could happen this election too, but because people kind of overreact to whatever the last big thing was, like systematic polling errors don't always go in favor of Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like but they're not biased against Trump, therefore Trump performs better than his polls. So for example, and this is definitely a possibility. Pollsters are were super burned by 2016, even though they weren't that wrong. Uh, there's a lot of shit was thrown their way, so it could be the opposite. They could be favoring Trump now and giving Trump the benefit of the doubt hmm. when it's not really there. And ultimately, until the election happens, you don't really know. Um, but. Um, I uh, I was listening to one of these podcasts or whatever the other day where they talk about stuff like that. And they, they made an interesting point with um, sometimes uh, sometimes the last poll uh, that's put out before an election is um, less accurate than like the second to last poll, because um, sometimes there is like I mean, I'm, I'm assuming these people are not trying to be biased, but they're also like, I don't know kind of hedging professionally like mm. if your last poll like there's a chance your last poll could just be an outlier and if you go with it you'll look stupid so sometimes they'll just like i don't know fudge their criteria a bit to be like be a little more in line with expectations mm. just how the just how people think the election's gonna go so sometimes this, the last poll is a little like people should just like go with the data and not fudge it so much um, so sometimes the second to last poll is better. Um, I thought that was interesting. Because like I said, there's like, uh, all right, here's another weird example. So you, you know in football, when a team is down like three touchdowns? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like a fourth and three from the 20-yard line, and they kick a field goal? Like on paper, if you were trying to like do the, like how do you win the game? You should never kick that field goal. Like, you're already down. You need a high-variance game to come back. Yeah. Um, the problem, though, is if you play a high-variance game, you could also get blown out. Hmm. Like, there's, like, you could keep, like, you could keep it close and play safe. You're less likely to win, but the final score is less likely to embarrass you. Hmm. Or you could, like, risk it all, and maybe you'll win, or maybe, like, you know, if you don't get that fourth down, like, the, just it keeps getting worse and worse for you, right? Yeah. Um, so sometimes, like, that, that bias kind of exists within polling, too. Of just, like, sometimes you just want, instead of, like, trying to be the most right, you're just trying to be the least wrong. Hmm. Um, which, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of like a common bias in things. But um, uh, let's see. Okay, so... Yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot of like. So the issue is basically um, Trump's numbers look really bad for this election. Like, if it was anyone else, like 
they'd be like writing them off like like everyone would be like i don't know like writing their obituary already damn um, it doesn't mean that like trump can't win but it's just like because of 2016 like people assume there's like trump magic if that makes sense hmm. um so like uh there's a bunch of different election models. Um, 538 is one of them. They currently have Trump at like a 12% chance of winning. Wow. Um, like, and here, okay, I don't know. All right. I've played, uh, have you ever played, I know you haven't, but have you ever played Pokemon Showdown? Yes. You introduced me to Pokemon Showdown. You can explain it for the viewers if you want. All right. Pokemon Showdown is a thing where they like, if you're if you actually want to play like competitive Pokemon games, the Pokemon games aren't really the best way to play the competitive Pokemon games. Uh, and it's just a website that just simulates like how Pokemon battles work. And you can just like it has good online matchmaking and crap like that and isn't a total mess. <laughs> um, I'm old, so I don't know. I only play like Gen 1 random occasionally. Um, but uh but, like, you know, like, uh, Pokemon's just a bunch of, like, nonsense probabilities. And, like, I don't know, like, Hyper Beam in Gen 1 has a 10% chance to miss. It happens all the time. Like, if you play, like, luck-based games, you'll realize, like, you know, like, people view, like, 90% as basically a 100% chance. Yeah. 90% chances miss all the time. 10% chances happen all the time. You know, um, so like in the last election, Trump had about a 30% chance to win. Yeah. You know, to me, it's like, yo, that's like the move Thunder Missing. Like, Thunder Misses all the time. <laughs> you know, uh, so people like just tend to like, I don't know, over overvalue odds. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't... I think people got mad at XCOM 1 because people don't understand probability. And in XCOM 2, they, like, fudge the odds. To, like, make it, make it be people's perceived odds. Like, if you have a 95% chance of hitting a, uh, hitting a shot, it just happens, like, 99% of the time instead. Because huh. people flip out, like, when it misses. Like, it was 95%. How could it miss? You know? Like, people just, like... Uh, people's perception of odds is not good. Uh, and ironically, I do recommend playing Pokemon Showdown if you want to have a better vibe of how ridiculous odds, you know, what how often percentages happen. Because uh, you will miss Hyperbeam a lot when you need to. <laughs> you need to hit Hyperbeam. Like, when it's just like, oh, Hyperbeam's 90%, but I, you know, I, or I could use Surf, that's 100. Yo, if Surf's, surf's going to do it, you always use Surf. Use Surf, <laughs> use Body Slam, they're 100%. In Gen 1, there's Gen 1 missing, where they, even 100% moves miss one out of, like, 255 times. Wow. That happens. That, like, that happens a lot. Um, huh. But, uh, what was it? Uh, anyway, so, yeah, so Trump was, like, 30% last time. Currently, it's 12. A part of that 12% is just that there's two weeks left. Um, and built-in is just, like... Uh, anything could happen in the next two weeks. But, yeah, if the election was today, it would be even worse. And it's honestly been really, really, really stable. Like, it's been funny. We're like, technically, like, 
Joe Biden has been leading Trump for forever. Like, there's never been a point where Trump has been winning. Hmm. Um, currently, let's see what the national average is. Um, currently, the... How do I find it? Sorry, give me a second. I need to dig this up. The, um... Okay, while you're looking. Uh, yeah, like, okay. This whole talk about odds, I remember we had that talk uh, like nine months ago? I forget when we started to hang out. But when we first hung out, I remember what what I said was, I don't know if I really trust Nate Silver and 538 because of 2016. I think I said that. Yeah. Because Trump, they had like Trump at like 30% and he won. And you you had that, what you just said right now about how like, yeah, 90% can still miss. 80% still misses. Uh, and yeah, XCOM. Yeah. 95%, it's it's basically just a meme like you still miss at 95%. Because, yeah, there's still that 5% you can still miss. 5% is 1 in 20. Like, yeah. I mean, elections only happen once. But, like, if you do something a lot, 1 in 20 happens all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, the... Uh, okay, so currently, the current polling average, Biden has 52% of the popular vote. Trump has uh, 42.8%. Wow. So that's a 9.2 difference. Like, that's astronomically high for current, like, modern-day presidential elections. Um, and also, like, the other thing is, like, yo, Trump's the incumbent. Incumbents kind of don't lose. Uh, hmm. Who's the last incumbent to lose? It was George H.W. Bush, right? That was, um, uh, yeah, the, I hit the father, and he lost to Clinton, right? He lost to Clinton. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the, uh, that was also weird if you look at that. I mean, I... Uh, I don't know, I'm not quite up on that election, but there was, like, a third-party candidate, like, neither of them got 50%. That was oh, a little right. weird. Yeah, Ross Perot uh, was in that one, right? Yeah, that's right. And, um... But just, like, incumbents don't lose. Like, incumbents have a lot of advantage. Like, people just kind of like, I don't know, kind of like to stick with who's already in there. Um, you know, before, I mean, I think Trump was still losing before COVID, but, like, he was the incumbent, like, so there's certain, um, there's certain election models called, like, fundamental-only models, where they don't really, like, they don't really, like, even look at polls. They're just, like, are they the incumbent? Is the economy good? Are we in a war? Like, they just look at very basic things, hmm. and, it, you know, you could, like, at just a very, like, high, you know, above, high level, like, those things are usually right. If you're an incumbent president and the economy is good, there's not a war, you pretty much always win. Um, wow. You need to be like, so like that was a thing where like, uh, you know, I don't know, certain fundamental like models came out like, oh, Trump's like 99% chance to win. Like if you're just looking at it from that perspective, that's what they're getting at. Hmm. But like, nah, man, he's like down like 9% in the national <laughs> average. Like that's really bad. It's really hard to do that as a, um, as an incumbent president, uh, now that I said, the economy is not necessarily good anymore. Uh, but, uh, you know, even back then, like Biden was still technically leading. Um, trying to see like, you know, all right. In about April. Or oh, let's go back to March, like March, like very early. Like the closest it ever was is Biden was winning by maybe like 4%. Um, and then maybe the, for a long time, like September through October, 
Uh, Biden was pretty consistently winning by about 7%. In the summer, it got kind of bad for Trump, and then it kind of stabilized a bit more. I think the issue was um, during the summer, like COVID was pretty bad, and I think Republicans weren't saying they were necessarily voting for Trump. Hmm. But like, they just weren't, they were just undecided. And then at some point, they just kind of came back. Like, Biden's numbers didn't go down, Trump numbers came up. Um, and it was about a 7% difference for most of the time. And actually, after the first debate, it kind of jumped to like 10%, which kind of surprised me just because Trump does weird shit all the time. And honestly, it rarely affects his numbers. Um, so I was surprised that, I mean, the first debate was kind of a mess, but I was surprised that it made that much of a difference. Uh, and now it's kind of stabilized a little bit to like 9%. But like, there's still like there's still definitely like a like a, seems like a sustained Biden bounce from the first debate being really bad and then Trump got COVID right after. Hmm. Um, the uh, tell you what, let me let me look at the state polls. So like like the national polls are not direct. It's just more like it's kind of like an easier to talk about proxy and. If you're if you're losing by nine percent, it's pretty hard to win, no matter what. You know, it's more like if you're winning. If if you're winning by like if Biden's winning by like two or three percent, then like uh, electoral college will, could definitely screw you. Like that's not like necessarily a sustainable lead. Um, let me see. I think if all right. So like here are like the states that matter. Um, mm -hmm. Here are the states that matter, and like here's the current percentage of them winning. Um, it's interesting. They have Biden as a 55. Oh, okay. All right. So never mind. This is vote share. So never okay. So like Virginia used to be a swing state. Virginia is pretty much like a went weirdly blue in the last like four, four or five or four to 10 years. Hmm. Um, Colorado is pretty safely blue. Um, uh, New Hampshire is weirdly safe now. New Hampshire used to be a little more swingy. After that, like, I'm, I'm going from, I'm, I'm skipping, like, California and New York, and I'm just kind of, like, yeah. reading through the list of uh, who's favored and what. Um, Biden's favored in Minnesota, then Michigan, then Nevada, then Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and then Pennsylvania. And so, uh, as I go down that list, like, Wisconsin's more likely than Pennsylvania kind of thing. But anyway, so at that point, if Biden wins those states, he wins. Um, now here are other states Biden's currently favored in that is, would, if he wins these states and these extra winning kind of things, but like, it's more like he could lose Pennsylvania, but if he wins one of these states, he's still there. He's currently favored in North Carolina, Florida, and Arizona. Um, so those are the current states that, uh, Biden's favored in. So like, he could he could afford to lose Pennsylvania or Wisconsin if he wins Florida, Arizona, North Carolina, things like that. If he doesn't win Florida, but he wins all the states he's more favored to win in, he would win. Um, the next closest states are, for some reason, Iowa's here now? I don't know. Iowa apparently is pulling closer than it used to be. Uh, currently, it's Iowa, Georgia, Ohio, and then Texas are the Trump. There are the states that um, Trump is currently winning um, that are that he's those are the ones that he's currently winning that he's at most risk of losing 
Uh, I've been surprised that Georgia has always been so close. For a while there, Texas-like looked like there's been, there was a couple of good polls for Biden, like plus one Biden in Texas. And, you know, people take individual polls too seriously. Hmm. Um, I mean, Texas is close, but it's not. I wouldn't flip out about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are the current ones. So, I mean, the real issue is... Like, if, if Trump needs to win, he needs to keep Texas, Ohio, Georgia, Iowa, and then he needs to somehow, he needs to flip Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. Uh, or if he got, if he got Wisconsin or Michigan, that would help, too. Like, it's just some kind of combination of these. Hmm. Um, uh, currently, they have Arizona as, like, one of the closest states. Arizona seemed like it was pretty, I don't know. Uh, uh, but anyway. The um, so those are kind of the states. Uh, I could look up the the exact percentile chances, but like I don't know. Biden's kind of doing his job of there is a certain degree of like white working class people like going with Trump and not liking Hillary Clinton. Um, Biden's doing his job of being an old white guy <laughs> and like kind of securing like. The borderline states, like the borderline, like he's kind of, you know, with states like Florida and North Carolina and Arizona, Biden's kind of pushing further than he needs to. Like the fact that like Michigan is like pretty safe um, is kind of a big deal. Like those are the Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania were the states Trump won that really gave Trump the election, if that makes sense. Um, He also won Florida, too. But Florida is a little uh, has been very swingy, obviously. But like. Mm -hmm. Democrats hadn't lost like Michigan or Wisconsin in a long time. Um, and they're kind of uh, just assuming they were going to win those. Um, let's see here. So, okay, for example, another fun way of looking at elections besides um, besides modeling like 538 or like the New York Times upshot also does a really good job of this stuff. Um, another fun way of looking at this is... Uh, Prediction markets. Do you know what prediction markets are? No clue. Prediction markets are people betting on the election. Huh. Um, and sometimes there's kind of a, you know, kind of an invisible hand, like, what, you know, like, you know how, like, Vegas lines are really good at predicting, uh, like, the scoring margins of NFL games? Yeah. And part of that is, I mean, you know, they also use, like, modeling in sports analytics to come up with what those games are. But the other thing is those lines move based on what people are betting. So if kind of the collective wisdom of all bettors pushes money in a certain direction, that also makes the lines very accurate. Um, Now, the problem with that, though, is sometimes it's like professional gamblers pushing the lines. Sometimes it's just guys that like to bet on sports games, which is what I consider myself. bet on sports uh just like man i love the dallas cowboys i'm betting on them that that prescott is hurt fuck it i'm betting on them (laughs) like fuck the eagles like so sometimes there's you know smart money sharp money and and joe public money and joe public money is maybe more based on emotion than rationality so in some cases you know prediction markets can be accurate in other cases they can be skewed by who's putting the money on it. Um, so first, so if you want, if you want better odds for Trump, prediction markets are for you. 
because there are a lot of people that like Trump that are willing to bet on him uh, and don't believe that polls are real. Uh, and hey, 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 maybe they'll be right. Maybe they'll make a bunch of money. But like from a kind of expected value perspective, like um, Trump's a little overvalued, if that makes sense. Um, but I don't know, betting sometimes weird. Like sometimes you might make a really smart bet that had, has like a high expected value and you still lose. You know, like the thunder can miss 30% of the time. Hyperbeam misses 10% of the time. Like if you gave me, uh, if you were going to pay me uh, like eight to two odds on hyperbeam hitting, you should always take that bet. Because <laughs> uh, hyperbeam's going to hit 90% of the time. But you could still lose money. Hyperbeam could still miss. Yeah. You know, if they give you, if they give you that bet, a thousand times, you will definitely make money. If they only give you that bet one time, you could definitely lose money. You know, I wouldn't bet the house on it. Um, but anyway, let's see. Okay, so Predicted is the most uh, common uh, prediction market website. Uh, let's see what they have. Currently, it's... I'm going to just... They have it in cents. I'm gonna just going to translate it in percentages. Hmm. Uh, they have Biden at 63% chance to win. They have Trump at 43% chance to win. Hmm. Um, they currently have Trump winning Florida, which would help him. Uh, but even then, like, yeah, the difference... Okay, I'm trying to think versus the other thing we we're looking at. They have Trump winning Florida currently. And that's the main difference. But, like, even among this, like, Biden's winning. Uh, they still have Biden winning Arizona and North Carolina and Pennsylvania. I mean, like, like I said, those are kind of extra-ish. Like I said, if he wins Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, he'd still win. Um, let's see here. What's the other one? Another okay, but like to me, where these are kind of wonky is are just off. Is like, um, I mean, what's the chance that I like personally? I think there's just a lot of people that like Trump betting on this, and it's making the odds weird. Uh, so I don't know how good the prediction markets are right now. Like, okay, for example, um, wait, I'm trying to look up the popular vote one. Uh, like the one for Trump winning the popular vote, I find weirdly high. Hmm. Uh, oh, I think I lost it. Wait, let me dig it up. Like, I don't expect how, you to how, 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 how about you talk while I look this yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, I'm really curious about but one thing is, uh, I am curious how COVID affects everything in that uh, it took COVID to have my dad say he's not going to vote for Trump. That's what it took, because he thinks Trump has fucked it up pretty bad. I still know plenty of people who, despite Trump fucking up really bad, are still going to vote Trump, which weirds me out. I don't know what it takes to make someone think Trump yeah. has not fucked it up. I don't get it. Well, okay, so the thing with that is, uh, by, okay, by the way, they basically have Trump at around, like, 20, 21% chance of winning the popular vote. Wow. Um, I find that, that, like, you know, the whole thing with, like, being 9% up, that doesn't necessarily always translate into, how about this, okay, 538 has a 4% chance that Trump wins the popular vote. Damn. So, I don't know, that's why I kind of just think that, uh, I just kind of think that, uh, the predicted one is a little, I, I feel like Trump is overvalued in the prediction markets, but, um, uh, okay. Yeah. The issue is why people still support Trump. Um, 
So I will say, just like tribal identity is a big thing. That it is. Um, and for for example, I mean, I grew up Republican, and at some point, um, honestly, uh, I still there's still kind of a version of the Republican Party that in my mind that makes sense, and I like them. Like, I kind of had the more vibe that they were the ones that maybe listened to economists more uh, back then, and. Um, and like just because of the constituencies, there's going to be certain biases. Um, uh, just depending on who you get your money from, like uh, I don't know. Like I think Democrats get a lot of money from lawyers, so they're like a little more hesitant to like have meaningful like judicial reform, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, like you're just going to have things like that. But um, you know, so in some cases, people you know, certain sides will be biased to certain topics. You know. Um, but, uh, like, for, for me, like, I, I was kind of getting annoyed with the Republican Party around the Tea Party era, mm-hmm. um, where it wasn't really productive. It was more just grandstanding and trying to, you know, just trying to, like, I, I don't know. To me, there's, like, a fine line between, like, what people think is libertarianism and just being an anarchist. Like, the big government-small government dichotomy, I think, is false. Uh, I think it's efficient government versus inefficient government. Hmm. If there's some section uh, that the government is not well-equipped to handle, then it's inefficient, therefore, it should, you know, in a perfect world, you know, you wouldn't, the government wouldn't do it as much because it's something the government isn't good at doing at. Um, but... If there's some part uh, that the government's really efficient at doing, like more so than the private sector or something like that, then it would technically be good to expand that. If the government's doing a good job at that, then it's like, so it's not like, oh, like big, if big government was hypothetically very efficient, it wouldn't necessarily be bad. Um, If small government was very inefficient, it wouldn't necessarily be good either. You would ideally make the parts of the government that are inefficient small and the parts that are efficient uh, larger. But, uh, I mean, you could also do it the other way, too. Of Like, you can just make the parts inefficient, more efficient, whatever. Um, but anyway, just, I don't know, the, the Tea Party liber- libertarianism, like, uh, Koch brothers side of the party just kind of comes off as anarchist to me. Like, uh, like, they just want the government to be small and ineffective for the sake of it. Hmm. Uh, well, like, there are certain roles, like, I, like, I don't... You know, I mean, you could just do this one, obviously, but like, you know, I'm sure there's lots of inefficiencies in the American military. Should we switch to privatized militias instead? <laughs> like, that sounds weird. Um, you know, uh, uh, but anyway, but that's kind of my issue where that kind of stuff annoyed me. And, um, but yeah, like deep down, though, like, I mean, some people have been, you know, voting Republican their entire lives. And there's a lot of built-in values into that. And it's pretty hard to switch. Um, like, I was pretty I was pretty annoyed with Republicans, like, basically since the Obama era. But it did take them, um, it did take them nominating Trump for me to be like, I guess I'm voting Democrat now. <laughs> and like, like, to me, Trump was just such a obvious uh, dereliction of proclaimed values of the Republican Party. Yeah. And at that point, I was, pro- I was probably identifying more as moderate 
But and so, you know, it makes more sense for me to just like if there is a far right Republican and a more moderate Democrat to just vote for the Democrat. You know, like at this point, the Republicans are so far gone. I don't see this happening in the future. But if it was Bernie Sanders versus like a super moderate Republican, I I could be persuaded, you know, Mm. Um, I, I don't hate Bernie Sanders or anything, but, uh, I, I don't know. I find him, um, I find him like a little more idealistic than is good. Like, I think he gets in the way of his own policy goals sometimes with how he handles things. Hmm. Um, but anyway, but like, like ultimately I think the world would be better off with a healthy center right party in America. Uh, but yo, this ain't it dog. This ain't it. <laughs> This ain't it, dog. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people made a lot of Faustian bargains with Trump, and I think it's uh, blowing up in their face, personally. Um, like, I think, I don't think, it's weird, because on one hand, um, on one hand, the Republican Party did, okay, Trump is not idealistic at all. Uh, he's not idealistic at all. He doesn't really care uh, about a lot of policy issues. He has these weird pet issues he's into. Mm. But, like, deep down, like, I don't think Trump really gives a crap. Like, example, after the Parkland shooting, he's like, oh, this was pretty bad. Should we, like, take the guns away? And everyone's like, you're not allowed to say that. Like, like <laughs> oh, okay, whatever. Like, yo, Trump grew up in New York. Like, you think Trump is, like, a hunter? Yeah. Like, no, he doesn't really care. There's probably a couple issues that me and real Trump agree on mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just like, uh, but like, they're just not the mainstream. They're just not um, the issues his constituency wants. He doesn't really care. So he just kind of goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I read uh, I read the first Bob Woodward Trump book. And um, I remember like, I don't know, a broken clock is right twice a day kind of thing where I was like, surely Trump's just going to like accidentally say something I agree with here at some point. Hmm. And um, it took a long time. But at one point he uh, when they were doing tax reform, he wanted to make corporate taxes even lower uh, and just make up the revenue difference with um, income taxes. And that's actually a good idea. And then I think uh, Gary Cohen was like, you can't do that, sir. You're a Republican. He's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, Gary Cohen's a Democrat who was working for him at the time. But the, um, yeah, yeah, not to, not to uh, explain corporate tax policy, but like the, um, when a company makes profits, it can either become dividends or, or it could become dividends or like just, uh, you know, or used for stock buybacks or something like that. Or it basically could go to the shareholders or it could get reinvested into the company. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the corporate tax is taxed at that. Um, corporate tax is taxed at that stage before that decision has been made. If it's going to be reinvested in the company or go to shareholders. And. We actually want it to get reinvested into the company. Like reinvested into the company is like giving workers raises hmm. or buying equipment. You know, so we don't actually want to de-incentivize that. I think the problem is 
I don't know. People don't like corporations, and most of us aren't corp- don't manage the finances of corporations, so we don't really care about corporate taxes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I think I think what most people want with corporate taxes is taxing rich people, and it's just a very indirect rich person tax. And it would be better to just have a direct rich person tax instead. Mm. So, like in my mind, corporate income tax should be zero and. It said you could just tax it when you when the money goes to the shareholders, you could just tax it then. You know what I mean? Like you got to tax it in income above like a certain level or it could be um, capital gains tax or something like which is when um, shareholders like in their investments pay off. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that was, was a lot of rant about that. But for the for one point in that book, Trump like said that I'm like, yeah, good job, Trump. That's that's right. <laughs> like, no, you can't. It is like, no, you're a Republican. You can't do that. Like, OK, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. man, come on. Come on. But. Um, uh, what was it? The. Uh, all right. You know, somewhat rambling structure. Uh, we can come back to stuff. Would you like to switch to. I put on my Trump supporter hat and try and argue for Trump as best I can. Sure, we can go with that. Uh, let's All take right. a quick break first. All right, here we are for hour two of this uh, political talk. So I'm going to say uh, where I come from, just to put some things. So, like, I grew up re- uh, a Republican family. Everyone's just very Republican on my side of the family. Um, and so... I, like, my favorite presidents were, like, Republican presidents, because, of course, Lincoln is everyone's favorite at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, Lincoln's pretty cool. Yeah, Lincoln's awesome. Like, he's... Uh, I watched the movie Lincoln too many times. Um, uh, I just... Re- Republicans, I've always had a idyllic vision of those guys. And when Obama came in, like, because I wasn't really paying attention to politics until Obama, because that was my first election. Like, I was in college when Obama happened. And yeah, so I, I started say, I, Oh, wait. Eh. Wait, never mind. I was going to say, that's not true, because you're older than me, and that was my <laughs> first election. But then again, maybe it worked out where it might have Yeah, it's probably the same. Yeah. Because I was in college when Obama happened, so there was hope posters everywhere and all that stuff. Yeah. And so it was Obama versus John McCain. And I liked John McCain. I liked him. I re- was a big fan of his, but... I still like John McCain. Yeah. Okay, yeah, real quick. It is absolutely mind-blowing how people called John McCain a rhino and not Trump. It was freaking blowing my mind how people got in that behind Trump. Lifelong Dem- uh, Republican versus a guy who switched parties like 10 years ago. Like, are you kidding uh, me? Yeah, so, I was gonna say, what, what, I'd say in 2008, like, I think Obama was fine like he was a pretty like i, I don't want to like obama's fine i'm not like making a huge value judgment uh but like uh i think objectively like people like i mean some people like oh he's the worst like that's definitely not true obama was yeah. pretty good mm-hmm. but um honestly i think in 2008 obama's resume was really really thin yeah and to me it did kind of start the beginning of like I like the cut of this guy's jib. Like, let's vote for him to be our president. <laughs> and like I said, I think with Obama, I think it was like it worked out fine. Like maybe there are certain things he maybe like maybe he would have been a better president if he became president like now instead of, you know, uh, 
12 years ago. Mm. Um, but, you know, it worked out okay. But I, I, I think that maybe was the start of us just like, this Trump guy really, like, he's not a politician. He really, like, like here's the thing. I, 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 actually, well, we'll get into me arguing for Trump. But, like, <laughs> there, is a, there is a certain appeal of, you know, the, the guy who just calls out, like, the fake, uh, the fakeness of politics. Uh, mm-hmm. but like t- t- to me, like, so I still stand by like in the moment, like, yo, John McCain had a real resume. Obama was a Senator for like two years, yeah. uh, like, or maybe it was four years, but still like, it's, you know, uh, from a resume perspective, it, 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 that was a weird one. Mm-hmm. And also just, okay. Like, like Obama, you know, became a fine president, but just the, I don't, there was just the certain like idealistic aspect, like the the logo with nothing but the word hope. Yeah, like that just drove drove me crazy at the time. The Onion was super funny making fun of that. Hmm. Um, if you ever go look up two thousand eight Onion uh, articles about like uh, there's one about a Obama supporter who can't understand that the election is over <laughs> and is still like trying to. Uh, trying to convince people to vote for Obama, even though he's already won. Wow. Sorry, right. Lost Scarf. I interrupted you. <laughs> Go on. Um, well, also, with, that was just McCain. And when he picked uh, Palin, he lost me, I think. Like, yeah, I, was that, gonna, that was, I was probably going to vote that, Obama anyway, but still. That was a high-variance move. Do you remember when we talked about, uh, like, you're losing by uh, three yeah, touchdowns, yeah. and you, should you go for it on fourth or in 20 or kick a field goal? Uh, John McCain went for it on fourth and twenty to win with Sarah Palin. Yeah. Like the first impression of the Sarah Palin move was actually pretty good. Like you know, uh, it was surprising. It like kind of captured the news cycle. Like she seemed like an interesting figure. It was just a bad move long term where they didn't really vet her enough and she didn't really stand up to scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like that was that was a high variance move of like, nah, we're going for it. Um, and, and once again, maybe you know made it worse. But like, I don't know. I think, uh, but yeah, sorry, go on. Because uh, like the belief was he was going to probably go like Lieberman, like Joe uh, yeah, Lieberman. I was, yeah, like moderate guy me was into Lieberman. I wanted Lieberman. Yeah, like if it was a different election, I would have gone for McCain Lieberman probably. But Obama just had way too much fire behind him. And did McCain got well, he lost. It was too bad. Uh, and then it was Mitt Romney. Uh, Mitt Romney's Mitt Romney. Uh, I I was yeah. I mean, my, mm. I mean, Mitt Romney has been doing like I feel like a a reputation campaign of like voting against Trump for impeachment. But yeah, I don't know. He's, I mean, he's whatever. He's still like. He'll stand up occasionally. He doesn't stand up other times. Um, the issue with Romney is like, I mean, okay, I will weirdly defend basically every presidential candidate of like the last 30 years, except for Trump. Hmm. Um, you know, if Romney became president, it would have been fine. You know, like uh, Democrats act like the world is going to end. <laughs> it would have been fine. Romney's yeah. competent. Um the uh, George uh, John Kerry, I like John Kerry. John Kerry is good too. I'm one of the. La- I don't want to get into this, but I I still think there's a perspective to view the George W. Bush administration where it's not that bad. 
Like, I'm like the last person who will still defend that occasionally. Clinton's fine. Like, Clinton's good. Uh, I Like I said, I don't hate George W. Bush. John Kerry's good. John McCain's good. Obama was good. Hillary Clinton's good. Uh, Romney's good. I actually think all those people would have been fine presidents, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, no. Hey, sorry, go Because with... Uh... Obama's time, it's Republicans were being very like our job is to just make Obama's presidency not that great. They were up in front about that, and that started to crack the veneer for me when it came to Republicans. Like this is not helpful in any way. Just being a stone wall for the sake of being a stone wall. And at the end, with the Merrick Garland thing. Which was he's like he, he like he's giving them not a bad option here. They wouldn't even see the guy. Yeah, so that was around the time. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't think this is a good thing, but I could see some arguments that maybe this is a good thing. Republicans transitioned more overtly to pure power politics. Like, if we can do it, we will do it. Yeah. Um, and I think just for the long term, I think that's a bad play. Because um, if there's like a 6-3 Republican majority in the Supreme Court, like, okay, essentially with the Merrick Garland thing and also with, all right, with this, Anthony Scalia died in February. Yeah. There, I don't think there had been anyone, there hadn't been a seat held out for an election that long. It was like held out for, uh, what was it, like nine months? Hmm. No, no one had ever been held out, like not been given a hearing for nine months. Um, Amy Cohen Barrett will there's been will be the um, the closest person approved before an election by like three months. Yeah, like so in both like in here, there's no law saying you can't do that, yeah. but it's norm breaking. And so there's really two seats where Republicans broke norms to get an advantage in the Supreme Court. So the issue with that is there's no law saying Democrats can't do court packing or something like that, right? Yeah. You know, uh, and if, it, like, so at that point, like, if someone's willing to break, if one side's willing to break norms and the other side isn't willing to break norms, the side that's not willing to break norms is stupid. That's how I'm feeling uh, right now. So, like, I, here's the thing. <laughs> I think breaking norms is bad, but you can't, but, like, it's kind of, the norms are there for kind of a mutual agreement where they realize if we break these norms, they'll break these norms, and it's going to be wild and not as stable as it used to be. Um, so that that's the problem with that is the Republicans, like, you know, you can point to, I don't know, I think the Democrats in the Senate removed the filibuster for some, for non-Supreme Court judicial nominees. Now, like, the Republicans are filibustering a lot of shit back then, which is why they did it. And that was a way to respond to it. But after that, then Republicans removed the filibuster for Supreme Court, blah, blah, blah. Like, the issue is, is, um, okay. Do you know how the Senate used to work, like, like in the original Constitution? Back when I learned it. I don't know about now. Uh, so the, what, what the Senate... Uh, they used to not be direct voting for the Senate. You like you couldn't vote for your senator. Um, you used to vote for your like your the 
Senate or House or whatever that your state has, your state legislature, le- legislature, mm-hmm. and they would pick who the senator were, was. Oh, really? Wow. Damn, I don't. And the that. point of that, the point of that was the House was voted directly by people, and vote every two years. So, if the people are pissed about something. And, you know, like, I don't know, they all hate Obamacare or something, then the entire house could be replaced by Republicans that hate Obamacare. And just at two years, it's completely replaced. The point of the Senate was it wasn't directly elected by people. It was kind of filtered through politicians. So, you know, senators had to play the game a little more. Uh, and, and then they were elected for six years. So... They could make some unpopular decisions. They weren't necessarily getting a lot, you know, they weren't going to get thrown out of office immediately. Mm. So the point was the Senate was more small C conservative. And that's why they have a bunch of weird rules like filibusters and things like that. Where just there's there's a bunch of norms in the Senate where just people had to agree a little bit more. So it was more designed where the House votes to repeal Obamacare and the Senate just is like, come on, let's be adults here. Okay. Um, it's kind of how it was designed. And so at some point they switched it to it being directly represented by P- uh, director, di- directly el- direct elections. And there's another problem where hmm. uh, the states are just kind of gerrymandered naturally. Yeah. Uh, like, now, here's, now, now make no mistake, does Vermont deserve two senators? Fuck no. There's less than a million people in Vermont. They yeah. don't deserve two senators. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, does Delaware? I don't know. I don't know what the population of Delaware is, but like, does does really Delaware and Rhode Island deserve be like be like <laughs> like you know these small like Vermont's the worst one of it's less than a million people. Uh, but that said, there's a lot more states like that. Does North and South Dakota deserve four senators? Mm. Does Wyoming deserve four cent? Like the states, like there's a lot of states where they only have one representative in the house and then they have two senators. Hmm. Like it doesn't make like, so there's a rural bias in the Senate. Okay. California has two senators. Like they represent a lot of people. The senators in Wyoming don't represent that many people. Um, so now instead the Senate has like a super rural bias instead. Um, and they're not following the norms anymore. Like that's why the Senate kind of has the job like approving Supreme Court nominees because they were supposed to be the small C conservative one. And now they're just like the House. Yeah. Like they're just as like capricious as the House is. And it's just bad from a government stability perspective that we just have the house twice and one has a super rural bias to it um whatever like rural people voters get their they get rural people can have their voices heard too they just have their voices heard a lot uh in an unrepresentative way sorry that's my why the senate bugs me (laughs) uh so I, i have i have certain weird opinions like um like, you know what? The Senate might be better if we didn't vote on senators anymore. Um, 
Uh, part of me also thinks that uh, we might have better candidates if we don't have primaries anymore. Um, mm. You know, primaries are only like 60 years old. They, really? Yeah, primaries are new. Other countries don't have primaries. Wow. Uh, like, basically, like, you know, the, the party just kind of picks who they think is best. Now, in some ways, you end up with I don't know. Um, who was that guy who lost the election horribly in the United Kingdom? Uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Okay. Like, I don't know. They probably should have picked someone else. He's just kind of like the long-term leader and they didn't pick anyone else. They probably should have picked someone else. Like, sometimes you get really stagnant candidates, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, and so sometimes, you know, like, primaries are more likely to give you Barack Obama's like Hillary Clinton would have definitely been picked for 2008 if there was no primary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, now that said, yo, maybe Clinton would have been better in 2008. Maybe Obama would have been better waiting his turn. <laughs> like maybe Obama w- w- would it be great if Obama ran in 20, uh, 2016 instead? <laughs> like, um, but anyway, the. So there are some benefits to primaries. Like sometimes you just kind of get like the 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 person who waited their turn and is the party favorite, but no one actually likes them. Um, but like other times, you happen what happened to Republicans in 2016, where like Trump, like where just Trump shows up out of nowhere. Uh, but anyway, like I said, other countries they kind of like just decide who's going to represent the party, and then they market that person as opposed to like. Uh, like, I don't know, like, I believe in democracy. Democracy is good, but I think, like, democracy is better with simple choices, if that makes sense. Hmm. Like, if you, uh, like, I don't know, let's, like, uh, if you look at, like, the Republican primary in 2016, there was a million people running. Trump was the most popular, but he, like, basically, like, 40% of the Republican primary electorate really liked him. But it was all winner-take-all states. So if Trump wins 40%, he gets all the electoral votes or whatever for that state. And the other people in the primary were kind of arrogant, and they never never found the not-Trump candidate until it was way too late and it was impossible at that point. Hmm. Um, Like, if it was really, if it was Trump-Rubio, like, from the beginning... Like, maybe Rubio could have won. If it was Trump-Ted Cruz from the beginning, Ted Cruz probably could have won. Jesus. Um, but uh, I actually have a lot of interesting opinions on Ted Cruz, but that might be too much. Like, Ted Cruz, like, everything he says in public kind of drives me crazy. Mm. But you can kind of get... If you listen to, like, normal Ted like, behind-the-scenes Ted Cruz interviews, I feel like Ted Cruz is actually kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, Ted- he's... His grandstanding went, is silly as balls. It's his really grandstanding silly. drives me nuts. But yeah. like, uh, he went to Harvard. Like, he's kind of like it's. It's funny. There's so many Republicans who went to Harvard and like pretend like they're stupid because that's what plays well. <laughs> um, but uh, but now okay, actually, uh, if you want, like, okay, a book I really enjoyed was American Carnage by Tim Alberta. Uh a reporter for Politico, but like you could tell like Tim Alberta is kind of a conservative guy. Um, yeah, he originally was writing for like the national review or whatever. And so he's into, um, 
he's he has a lot of contacts in conservative circles and does serious interviews with them and things like that. Mm. Um, so American Carnage is a really good book where it's kind of about the history of the Republican Party and the lead up to Trump becoming president. And um, uh, you can here's the you can kind of tell who the sources are for books based on how sympathetic they're portrayed and how much like, you know, when it's like mm. talking about Ted Cruz's post campaigning glass of red wine, you know, that detail came from Ted Cruz. <laughs> like, um, but uh, in that book, I mean, Tim, uh, Ted Cruz comes off weirdly sympathetic uh, with, uh, okay, so at some point, Ted Cruz. Pitch to Rubio a unity ticket uh, where Rubio drops out and become Ted Cruz's vice president. And they just are the establishment Republicans united against Trump's mania. Hmm. And Rubio backed out. And like there's some quote from Cruz. He's like, I should have like fucking knocked on his fucking door, like demanded that he meets me <laughs> like like it's um, the other one is I uh, as. I don't know. On one hand, like behind closed doors, Kasich kind of seems like he might be a dick. But at least on paper, like Kasich speaks my moderate language. <laughs> um, you know, and he like uh, so. Uh, but um, uh, Kasich was still, even though Kasich had no chance of winning, he was like still running. And it was like Ted Cruz, Kasich, and Trump were the last ones left. And Trump and K- uh, Ted Cruz begged Kasich to drop out. So it would just be like a completely binary choice. Yeah. And Kasich is like, nah, man, I'm staying until the convention, baby. Like, there's nothing you can do to convince me not to do this. And he's like, but we're just giving it to Trump. He's like, nah, man, I'm staying. And so Ted Cruz is just like, fuck it. Well, there's no way I can fucking win if Kasich's in it. So I'm dropping out. I'm dropping out. Hmm. And after Ted Cruz dropped out, Kasich was like, yeah, maybe he's right. This is kind of this is going to be a lot of work for not winning. I'm dropping out too. So Kasich dropped out the day after Ted Cruz. Yeah, and Ted Cruz is like, man, what the fuck, John Kasich? <laughs> um, and like I said, uh, everything about Ted Cruz's public persona kind of drives me crazy. But um, yeah, like I've I've seen a couple interviews of him where uh, he's not doing his grandstanding, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a lot. He's a lot, he's a lot more relatable, if not sympathetic, if that makes sense. Oh. Uh, the uh, where the hell were we? Um, I was inexplicably I was inexplicably defending Ted Cruz for some reason, yeah, but we like, could drop that. Yeah, like wherever you cut off, we'll we'll just like okay, something happened. Um, yeah, Ted Cruz ugh, drives me nuts too. Uh, let's see. So yeah, during the Obama stuff, like the Republicans were like, I was losing respect for the Republicans during all that stuff. Right. And then Trump was the last straw for me. Trump was the last straw. I'm like, uh, I hope, like, I was convinced Hillary was going to win because how the hell do you make Trump your candidate? So I was convinced she was going to win. They were going to be in a bad spot and that they would, they'd have to just shuffle up and become a better party after this. Instead... They won, and I don't give, I don't, I have no respect for the Republican Party anymore. I have none right now. Especially what's going on with Barrett, because it's just been one hypocrisy after another. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on board with you there. I mean, honestly, even if someone was like, I mean, at this point, I probably come off more liberal, but um, 
if someone was a genuine conservative, I would encourage them to vote against Republicans until they lose badly enough that they have to like do some soul searching and kind of do a reboot. Um, is that like I said? Oh, you saying? Sorry, what was that? No, was say, is that basically the Lincoln Project or no? Yeah, I mean the Lincoln Project is a bunch of um, former Republican strategists who. Uh, are campaigning against Trump and people that support Trump. Um, I, I mean, I listen. I mean, I, uh, I watch their stuff. I, I listened to one of Rick Wilson's podcasts. It's pretty funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's a. If you wanna, what was a good book from one of those guys? I think it was was it Stephen Stewart. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I think this. Uh, I think this title is a little inflammatory. He wrote a book called "It's All a Lie." That it was all a lie that was pretty good. Um, he was just kind of talking about like um, uh, he was just kind of talking about the uh, the kind of strategies he used as a Republican. And like I said, like I think to be fair, like if you're voting for any party, like uh, it, it, this isn't literally true, but like, let's just say, you know, roughly half of the country, you know, is voting for one party or the other. Some of those people in that party are going to suck. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like as someone who grew up more conservative, you know, I'm still not like a super fan of like super duper far left stuff. Um, where, you know, like people that, you know, when pe- generally people to be fair, Generally, people always look at the other side and like look at the most extreme five yeah. percent. Like, oh, I could be never, never be liberal. Look at crazy college professor who says something like nonsense, some nonsense. I'm like, yeah, that was pretty. You know, I'd probably agree that what that guy said was probably pretty stupid. But that's not that guy is not the leader of the party. <laughs> um, like, what it kind of flipped with me is there's always been this. Um, uh, if you if you Google Southern strategy, like at some point the Republicans kind of went for the more white identity uh, voters. Um, I think it was around the '60s that transition happened. So you know, as a Republican, you always kind of knew you were voting with um, uh, the more like the more overtly racist redneck kind of voters. Yeah, but. You know, if you were, uh, if you were, um, if you were like one of these strategists or like someone like me, like, I don't know, these are just kind of like a part of the coalition, but like the, the economic minded people, like were really the ones in charge, if that makes sense. And with Trump winning, it's like, oh no, the like, I hate free trade and immigrants, they're actually the ones in charge, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, but anyway, the, uh, the, I mean, I'm really good at interrupting you with, uh, long diatribes. I'm sorry, Lost Scarf. <laughs> uh, but I was agreeing with what you're saying. That yeah. seemed, that was very, that was very similar to me. Yeah. Um, so, before we get to you trying to defend Trump, I'll try. Uh, the arguments my my boss has, and I just all I can do is just sit there and roll my eyes with 
and this is a, he's like it's very more it's more character driven i think than policy driven so it's like, well, Trump hasn't taken a single paycheck. He's been losing money while being the president. So that shows he's a great guy. So he, that's who I'm voting for. Another one that from the people surrounding me feel is, you know who I'm voting for, for because I have a flag on my house, which I find the most disingenuous belief and mind blowing of them all. To, to believe that it's anti-American to be on the left. Very weird. Yeah, it's I mean, a rhetoric I, I've seen, and it annoys me so much. Yeah, honestly, like, I mean, I would defend pretty much every presidential candidate of, like, like, okay, like, people can be more than one thing at once, right? Uh, two th- people can be two things at once. You know, deep down, is everyone, is every president a bit of a narcissist? Probably. Yeah. Like... It takes it takes a little bit of ego to say, "Hey, there's one leader of America. It should be me." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't uh, you don't happen upon. There's no reluctant like reluctant leaders. Like, well, I wasn't planning on being president, but everyone said I'd be a great one. Mm-hmm. They begged me to do it, so I'm like, okay. Like, no one's like that. Everyone's you know been planning it since they're like like a teenager kind of thing. Yeah, you know. Um, but, uh, but no, like, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to talk to people that are that into that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, Trump's the most like, uh, transactional president ever, <laughs> you know, uh, it's not, it's definitely not a, a self, a selfless arch altruistic thing he's doing here. Um, anyway, I don't know. That one's like, I mean, Sometimes I get it. Honestly, sometimes it's really hard to remember all the ridiculous things Trump has done. Yeah. Um, and it also makes it hard from an argument standpoint, where if you like list out every dubious thing Trump has done, uh, it just kind of becomes overwhelming and people just kind of get numb to it. Yeah. Like it was a lot easier. Like in some ways, it's more clear when someone just does one bad thing and you can like, oh, they did this really bad thing. Like, wow, that's really bad. As opposed to just like, yo, here's like a litany of horrible, like, just like, let me just like go on this like list that takes me 20 minutes to explain. Mm-hmm. Like, my problem is, it's everyone around me, it's, I feel they're voting for character reasons, not voting for policy reasons. Like, at the end of the day, some people, of course, are voting for uh, the age old uh, abor- anti abortion or pro abortion reason or yeah. this or that. Like, there's people voting for that, but then there's just these character reasons. Uh, that get presented to me, I'm like, I can't argue against that. It just sounds stupid. I mean, I think you can... Pre- I don't know. I, wait, can we talk? What happened? Okay, no, it sounded bad for a second. The yeah. um, I'll tell you what, let me do... Let me do my pro-Trump argument. Okay, I'll, let's do this, let's do this. Okay. okay. Tell me, tell me... Uh, Alright, let me just... I'll tell you, let me just think of some pro-Trump arguments. I'll say some pro-Trump arguments, and then you can... Uh, you can uh, uh, let me just say some pro-Trump arguments, and then you can uh, give me some anti-Trump arguments, and I'll see if I got anything in the tank. <laughs> um, all right, let's see here. All right, let's go with this one first. Um, pretend Bernie Sanders. Uh, let's. All right, I'm going to talk about Bernie Sanders, like or a Bernie Sanders-esque figure, in a very generic way. Uh, so imagine if 
candidate comes out for president, like, right, let's just talk about Bernie Sanders. Let's just do Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Bernie Sanders, you know, uh, like, everyone said Clinton's going to win. No one even ran against her in the primary. Bernie Sanders come out as like, nah, man, I'm running. And people make fun of him, like, Bernie Sanders, he's like this old dude. He's got, like, he's got this ridiculous accent. No way is Bernie going to win. Like, you know, oh, Bernie shoots up in the polls. They're like, man, these are fake. These aren't going to work. Blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, I don't know. I think his big moment was um, he was he was losing the Michigan primary by, like, 10 points. And then, what? Well, he won anyway. You know, uh, he won all these surprising victories. Um you know, uh, the establishment hated him. The media doubted him. Uh, and he's pulling this stuff out. Now, let's just pretend, for instance, that he, like, wins. Uh, now, let's pretend he wins, like, you know, beats Clinton and he's going against whoever the Republican is. Oh, man, he's down all these points. There's some scandal because he, like, talked about how much he loves Castro. And they're like, there's no way he's winning Florida now. This video came out of him, like, sucking Castro's dick. Like, there's no way he could win. You know, uh, this is going to usher in an era of Republican dominance for 40 years. Like, the Democrats were so dumb for trying to get Bernie in there. Um, and then, and then, oh, there's a huge polling error. Bernie wins. You know, uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't take money for corporations. It's all small donors, you know, like he represents the people, you know, like. That narrative is very appealing to certain people, right? Yeah. Um, like, what I'm trying to say is, if it wasn't fucking Donald Trump, a lot of people would be on board with Donald Trump's narrative. Uh, hmm. Like, uh, pe people would be on board with the, uh, you know, uh, the, the upset aspect of it, the everyone doubting him aspect, the eschewing political norms aspect of it. If it was somebody else, you know, I think a lot of Democrats and liberals would probably like like that those aspects of him. Hmm. Um, the uh, uh, you know, for example, like uh, like why does Kanye West like Donald Trump? Uh, for whatever reason, I know a decent amount about Kanye West. Like you know, Kanye West uh, is very into like. I don't know. He was a producer. He was a producer, but he wanted to be a rapper and everyone thought he sucked and everyone doubted him and he believed in himself. And then he became a super famous rapper. And then he wanted to get into fashion and everyone doubted him and they put all these barriers in his way. And then, I don't know, he eventually got signed with a, this like real Adidas deal and his shoes are super successful. You know what I mean? Like there's always, he has this, he has this weird narrative of like people put you in the box of being a celebrity and uh, and they don't they don't like they won't let you like venture outside of that box. So I could see why someone like Kanye West was super into Trump because like uh, like let's be real like the most successful thing Trump has ever done has been in a reality show. Like Trump is a reality show star more than a businessman. Yeah. Um, and you know like you know what I am kind of a hater. I don't think reality stars should be presidents. <laughs> um, but like. Uh, you know, from a certain perspective, um, everyone telling you you're wrong and proving the whole fucking world wrong is cool. Yeah. Uh, and so people are into that. Uh, what's another argument for Trump? Um, okay. All right. All right. Lost scarf. 
Uh, how many abortions happen in America in a year? No idea. Uh, more or less than COVID deaths. Huh. I'll say with our population, I'm going to say more. So it's about 600,000 abortions happen. Yeah. Every year. So three Damn. times as many as three times as many as COVID. Damn. So you're under the assumption that like every single fetus has a soul. And we're, you know, 600,000 unique souls aren't being uh, given a chance at life. Like, you might make horrible Faustian bargains uh, in, in, like, in order to uh, change that. Uh, you know, including, you know, uh, not, like, basically just willing to trade. Like, I've met people that... Okay, there's a lot of people in denial about how bad Trump is, but there's some people that are not in denial. Like, they recognize how bad he is, and that issue's just so overwhelming for them that they're basically willing to make any weird Faustian bargain uh, that, it, like, would lead to restricting of abortion rights. Um, now, my actual opinion is that banning abortion isn't necessarily um, going to reduce the number of abortions. Kind of in the same way that, like, I don't know, like, it's pretty hard to, like, have prohibition when people can do, moon, like, make moonshine in their bathtub. <laughs> it's pretty hard to, like, ban all marijuana when people can grow marijuana in their house. Um, you know, it's like, uh, they're probably, you know, we wouldn't have safe abortions anymore if abortions were banned, but you could still do shady abortions if you really want to. Yeah. Um... The uh, so like I said, I, personally, I'm more into um, like I like honestly, I think reducing the number of abortions would be a good thing. I just wouldn't do it by um, making abortion illegal or making it access more difficult. Like I think it makes more sense to like if you want to work more on sex education, if you want to work more on providing free birth control. Like I don't think you know. I think it's I think we have the tools and ability to avoid unwanted pregnancies, you know. Um uh but I would go more that route. Uh but some people are just like very black and white unnuanced about it and like just thinks it should be in the same bucket as murder, you know. <laughs> um which there's you know there's some like, you know, if I was trying to make that, you know, support that argument you know, technically, like, a fetus has, even, like, at, like, like five seconds after conception, it has, like, unique, like, unique individual human DNA. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Uh, it's not the DNA of the mother. You know, it's, I know it's in her body, but it's, like, technically, there is, like, the potential for completely unique human life. Um, you know, so, like, person, you know, like, but anyway, uh, uh, so, like I said, that's an overwhelming issue for some, an overriding issue for some people, and they're basically willing to trade anything to get it. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, here's the thing, I, I you know, I, I, in some ways I can respect that position. Uh, I don't really respect the willing to trade literally anything to get it, if that makes sense. That's my mm. kind of criticism of that. Um, 
if you check my channel, I made a video somewhat uh, talking about that issue. Um, it's called The Antichrist Runs for 2024. <laughs> I remember um, those Anyway, uh, it's kind of, I don't know, that was somewhat about me expressing my frustration on being to, like, tolerate, like, someone who's completely against all of your values as long as they provide you that one thing. Um, oh, let's see. What are some other good Trump arguments? Um, what are some other good Trump arguments? I mean, okay. I would. I think a lot of these uh, could be somewhat easily disproven, but um, you know, uh, the economy wasn't bad before COVID. Uh, COVID existing period isn't Trump's fault. <laughs> um, you know, obviously his response to it is Trump's fault, but like the yeah. fact that it happened period is not Trump's fault. Yeah. Um, what are some? Good ones. Um, you know, I don't think. Uh, I don't think having a better control of immigration is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, that said, I don't know. Like, I mean, I have so many criticisms about how Trump handles it. I think he's like pre-Trump. Bernie Sanders was in favor of enhanced border security. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't a. <laughs> It was. It wasn't a. Uh, it was a bipartisan issue before Trump made it so uh, needlessly racist <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. But um, let's see. Uh, all right, this is a weird argument, but uh, lots of his like it's not overwhelming, but like lots of Hispanic people like Trump. Uh, so how can he be racist? It was so many. Out. Uh, I don't know. I think ultimately, like, uh, I don't know. People act like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. People act like, I mean, Hispanic people are like some huge different bucket. I don't think they're, I mean, it's more of a cultural difference, if that makes sense. But I don't think it's mm -hmm. like as wildly different as people make it out to be sometimes. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. Why don't you give me some anti-Trump positions and I'm going to try my best to argue in favor. Uh, I'm going to try and come up with some... My problem is, I don't want to do, like, sophistry. I don't want to <laughs> just come up with, like, blatant disinformation. So yeah, sometimes yeah. it's kind of hard. Um, but, uh... Give me, give me some shots. What do you got? Alright, no, okay, so now I gotta think. Uh... Honestly, I feel like everything with Trump's around character. It's not even, like... Policy is so forgotten by everyone, for the most part. It's all just character arguments. Let's see, what's a policy argument? Well, well, one is, of course, just how extremely racist the whole uh, border situation has been. Um, like one of the big ones is just how Trump has handled COVID. It's just, it's just been abysmal. He's been back and forth on it, left and right. He, like, for God's sakes, like on Twitter, it was. Uh, if Biden wins, he'll listen to the scientists. He made a tweet that said that. So and Biden retweets, yes. <laughs> it's like, dot, 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 yes. Like, suggesting uh, when... Uh, a problem with Trump is just when he just rambles on and makes suggestions. When he, when he rambled on, 
and suggested, you know, bleach is a really good disinfectant. Maybe you should, you should uh, pump that into yourself. That'd be a good idea. Or hydrochloroquine. And all these uh, not-yet-proven things, maybe you should do these things. So, I, I, okay, I will defend Trump, uh, real me defend Trump, in mm. the sense of... Um, I will say, Trump looks really bad in text sometimes. Yeah. And when you hear him say it, I mean... I think he does somewhat do this as a defense mechanism of just kind of talks like everything's a joke half the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you will get like media quotes from Trump, like Trump said X, like what the fuck? And then you hear it and like, he's just kind of like, I don't know. Trump kind of has his standup routine that he does. Uh, Sometimes if it's in the context of the standup routine, I think it's easier not to take it as seriously. Um, but that said, I don't know, he does also do some BS where I think he just, like, says crazy stuff to, like, fuel the room as a part of his stand-up routine and then gets serious about it later. Um, it's, like, yeah, he does a lot of uh, groping in the dark. Like, he's just, he's reaching around. And it gets really bad when he's really far off the target. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's like, maybe it's like, it's like, you know, like, I'll kind of do, um... We'll just be talking. It's like, doing a great job. You know, we're doing such a great job. Maybe we'll do a third term. Everyone will <laughs> like that. Won't we? A third term. It'd be great. You know, the oh, 12 years of Trump. Like, here's the thing, though. Like, when he says it, it, it comes off more funny than, like, a declaration. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, like, probably isn't a good joke to make. He probably shouldn't make that joke. But, yeah, just sometimes Trump will get quoted as, like, this horrible thing. If you actually watch the clip, I don't know if it comes off as menacing as people make it out to be. Um, all right. The- that does become a frustration of when you need the president to be serious, and he's not. Yeah, but- no. It, Trump being serious when Trump Trump did a COVID uh, around the time COVID was becoming more serious, he did a very serious talk, and it just scared the fuck out of everyone because like Trump acting serious and scared, like oh shit, Trump's fucking scared. Like you know this is bad. I would have loved uh, if he did that more. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, uh, there's a lot of examples, but the, um, okay, trying to defend Trump on COVID. um, If you whip out, um, if you whip out, like, total death numbers of just how many people die in America of various different things, Mm -hmm. like, there's ways to make 200,000 not look that bad. If you look at other things people die of, like, other ways people die that are around that amount. Uh, I, once again, I, I think that's wrong, but uh, and unnecessary. But like, there's ways, you know. If also, if you're looking at from like an epidemiology standpoint, like if you're looking at like number of years lost, it's also not quite as bad. Um, like I don't know, Herman Cain died when he was what seventy five, right, or seventy four, or something like that. Yeah. How many more years did Herman Cain have to live? Maybe like 10, maybe like five. Like the expected value of Herman Cain's life might have been like five more years. So like if you're looking at number of um, years lost, Herman Cain's a five. If a five-year-old dies, that's a 70. Yeah. So you got to lose 14 Herman Cain's to make up one child, you know, one kid dying. And most of the deaths on COVID are on the older side. So there's a way of minimizing this. Um, once again, I think that's wrong, but that's you know that is that is a an argument that could be made. 
that it's not as bad as it's being made out to be. Um, let's see, what's another one? Uh, like I said, I mean, you can't like, yo, China did fuck up COVID really bad. Yeah. Um, I remember, I don't know how totally, okay, I was reading the more recent Bob Woodward book, and, um, I don't know, they they recount an argument, I think it was made by the administration, um, I don't, I kind of want to double check on how true this one is, but, um, they were claim they were saying that China shut down travel from Wuhan to basically everywhere else in China, but you could still fly to Europe is the argument they were making that like they didn't want it to spread in China, but they didn't really give a fuck if it like spread around the rest of the world. Huh. Uh, so like, yeah, that's pretty fucking egregious. If uh, and, like, okay. Sometimes, I mean, on one hand, China is a centralized government and they can do evil plans if they want to do evil plans. Um, that said, you know, it is important to, if, if you have two options between someone being fucking stupid and someone being evil, you should probably give better odds to them just being stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, like, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty plausible that just, like, Wuhan officials were really scared of being at fault and, like, looking bad to, like, Beijing, basically. So, like... You know, the Wuhan officials can be covering it up when the Beijing officials aren't, if that makes sense. Um, I think a little bit of that was happening. But no, there's a lot of reasonable criticism of China if you want to blame them. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's completely reasonable. That, I don't know. I don't know. Like, they've had things like SARS and other things come out. I don't know. Why do they still have wet markets? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I, that said, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't, it's completely reasonable to criticize Trump's handling of it. That said, uh, but two things can be true: Trump can handle it bad, and China could have done a really shitty job. They were also weirdly um, they denied CDC experts from coming in for like way too long. Yeah, like CDC experts were begging to go to Wuhan, and they wouldn't let them. Um, let's see, what's another good one? Uh, uh, Trump's handling of COVID. He hasn't fired Fauci. <laughs> that's that's something. He didn't fire Fauci. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, I mean... I mean, how about this? I mean, if I... Okay. There was a period of time where Trump was taking it pretty seriously, like, surprisingly seriously. Like, like March, the daily briefings time. Mm. Uh, he was taking it pretty seriously. I don't think he did a good job. Um, and he would weirdly try and be like, he, I don't know. He, I mean, he would all, he was still like doing his, like the secret power of positive thinking nonsense at the same time. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he, I don't know. He could, he could have been in a lot more denial than he was, if that makes sense. Um, like Boris Johnson was doing a worse job at the time of being in denial about it. Um, or at least like going with her immunity or whatever. Um, all right, that's the best I got. I, uh, do one more before we do an hour break. Uh, let's see here. Um, 
an actual policy against Trump kind of thing. Like, the more question is like, has his... Uh, well, okay, now, let's go for the easier one instead. Him pulling us out of the... And even then, I could argue... Even I could argue maybe it's a power play, but it seems stupid. I don't know. Uh, him pulling us out of the... Uh, what the hell is it called? The Paris Climate Agreement? Yeah, that one. Right. Him, him pulling us out of the Paris Climate Agreement, just being very aggressively anti-alternative energy. He's trying to go back to coal somehow. Mm-hmm. Trying to just keep doing oil. And even... Even coal country, where he's been trying to help out, he's been more problem for them than better for them. They've not done anything. There's like Foxconn. He had that whole deal with Foxconn, and that still hasn't been built. Yep. Yeah, the Foxconn thing's never happening, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I saw a report on that one recently. That whole thing has been a sham. But, um... Okay, let's see. Trump on the environment. I'm, I'm, I'm off on my, um climate denier arguments but i could probably come up with something let's see the uh eh, i mean all right they they're out of the paris climate i guess there's a couple ways argument they're out of the paris climate agreement technically our emissions have still gotten i think they've still gotten gone less under trump um i think it's less than maybe it was supposed to be but like it's still going down technically um What's another one? Uh, I mean, the whole Par- I mean, the whole Paris climate thing is just like a spirit of anti-internationalism. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could I could explain why people are into that. I guess. I mean, I don't know. The uh... okay. How about this? Uh, you can make it a bigger thing where instead it's more. No. Uh, on foreign policy, we're get, we're going to be screwed for the long term for a while because we're the country that voted for Trump. Yeah. And how can anyone trust us after all the shit Trump has done in four years? Okay, here's I'll give you I'll give you a, a I'll give you an anti-Paris climate agreement argument. The uh, the argument would be that like I think the countries that are currently polluting the most are like China and places like that. Uh, it's like China and India. It's like the uh, current industrialized countries. Um, so in some ways, like it's not as much the United States fault. Yeah. Uh, that said, I mean, I think we're the worst per capita. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if that totally works. I mean, I mean, the reason why the Paris Climate Agreement is good is because it gets China and India and other countries to do it, too. Like, yeah, so how about this? It is bad. In some ways, it would be. There's a reasonable argument from uh, reducing your climate emissions unilaterally. Like, if we become totally green and China is, like, still a polluting maniac, like, China's economy might overtake ours kind of thing. Mm. Like, that's that's a not completely unreasonable argument. The whole point of the Paris Climate Agreement is to uh, is to get China to do it with us. Um, the I mean, okay, let's be real. The the only reason why Trump got out of the Paris Climate Agreement is because Obama did it. Yeah, like uh, if Obama didn't do it, he probably wouldn't care. Um, uh, let's see, Cole, uh, I mean, 
from a liberal perspective, you know, coal, uh, Trump promised to uh, help coal country or like bring back coal and he really hasn't done it. Uh, so maybe, maybe it's just false promises to trick Pennsylvania to vote for him. Maybe, maybe he's secretly anti-coal. Um, but I don't know. He also thinks windmills give people cancer. That's a pretty weird one. <laughs> so here we um, are, hour three of this talk in, in politics. And I guess other things going on. Like, we kind of touched already, like, the Amy Barrett thing, like, she's getting in. So then, it's gonna be, like, I get all they can, all the Democrats can do would be expanding the court? Like, that's their only play? Or what's gonna happen with that? Oh, okay. This is actually a good topic. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so check this out, Scarf. You ready? Okay, okay. You ready, Scarf? Lost Scarf? Yes. Um... So one one uh, one idea that I think is kind of a, a interesting way of thinking about stuff is um, I don't, like on one hand, yo, twenty twenty has been crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is in some ways uh, decent to like think things will be more like normal and like more normal than people give it credit for sometimes. Mm. So. Let's say conservatives have a 6-3 majority on the court, right? Yeah. The problem is conservatives have had a 5-4 majority for a long time. But usually whoever's like the most senior person um, is a conservative who like, you know how they talk about the Roberts court, like whoever's like in charge, kind of they talk about the whoever the senior justice is, they, they have their name on the court. Yeah. That person has been siding with liberals more when it really comes to breaking precedent. Hmm. So when it came to like, I think it was John Roberts before, I'm spacing on the current guy's name, but like the current guy, I'm spacing, I should know who he is. (laughs) The current guy, um, the current guy like voted more conservatively, but like, he wasn't the swing vote, and his name wasn't on the court. Um, so when your name's on the court, do you really want to be the guy? It's like, yeah, the you know the lost scarf court is—they're the ones that banned abortion. <laughs> like, even if you like think abortion's bad, do you want to be that guy? <laughs> um, you know, so uh, so there's an argument that. The Supreme Court doesn't want to be political, like, seen as political. Yeah. Yo, they're coming off very political right now. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance that even the 6-3 court will start acting very small-c conservative and not just start overturning precedents left and right because they can. Mm. Like, they might just be like, like, they have a majority. They could kind of do whatever they want, but they might just not, like... Yo, guns for everyone. <laughs> like guns for everyone. Uh, religious freedom. If if it's a part of your religion to be racist, do it. Like they might not just do that. Like on day one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like I know the original court packing thing. 
Uh, I'm sure there's maybe another one, but the one that most people are familiar with is FDR tried to pack the Supreme Court in the Great Depression 30s era. Yeah. And at the time, I think it was really conservative, and they were like not saying everything he did was unconstitutional. And he ended up not packing the court, but like the threat of it made them act more agreeable, if that makes sense. Hmm. So they might just like, you know, the Supreme Court might just act more small C conservative because uh, they know they're in kind of a tenuous position. Um, especially like if, you know, if Biden's elected and especially if the Senate is somewhat, demo- you know, has a Democratic majority, they might just start acting really small C conservative. Um, and it might not be a huge deal, but who knows? Um, yeah, so. There has been a bunch of discussion about um, kind of bigger reforms. Uh, I'm not, like, opposed to them. It kind of depends how, like, naked they are. But, like, you know, in some ways, Trump is a good test for our democracy Mm. of, like, you know, the Hatch Act is, like, people didn't do it. Uh, People didn't use their political positions People didn't use their elected positions for partisan politics because the Hatch Act says no. And it turns out if you do use your elected position for partisan politics, nothing happens. Hmm. You know? So there's there's just a bunch of stuff. I mean, it kind of happened with Nixon. There's a bunch of reforms passed after Nixon of maybe some of the norms should become actual laws. Um, but yeah, there's some. I mean, all right. So it wouldn't be a horrible... You know, if you want one way of fixing the Senate's rural bias is to make more states. So, you know, you could make Puerto Rico or Washington, D.C. a state if you want. Um, Now, like, personally, should Washington, D.C. be a state? Hell no. Like, it should just be it should just be Maryland. Yeah. Let's like, uh, you know, it really should just be a part of Maryland. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is like it is weird that people in Washington, D.C. don't really get representation as everyone else. They should get representation as everyone else. They should get it by being a part of Maryland. Yeah. But um. But that said, uh, I don't know if you're trying to do some like reverse gerrymandering of the Senate. Sure, whatever. Put Washington D.C. in there. Who cares? <laughs> uh, Puerto Rico in there. Who cares? Um. The other. What was the other ideas? Uh, actually, a really good. I thought a decent idea was um. Having Supreme Court. Uh, term limits of 18 years. Hmm. Uh, basically, it works out where every president appoints two judges, I think, is how it ends up working out. Okay. So, like, for example, I think Obama got two Supreme Court justices nominated, and he was there for eight years, right? Yeah. I've been here for four. He's gotten three. Which is like, nuts. Well, like, ultimately, like, regardless, the Supreme Court's kind of important. Why why is 80-year-olds dying the mechanic of getting new people on the court? Yeah. Like, that's stupid. Like, it's essentially random. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, to be fair, hey, if you want to criticize uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg for not retiring under Obama's second term, I think that's a reasonable criticism. Like, mm-hmm. she, had, she was, uh, had cancer back then. You know, uh, it, I don't, you know, like, I'm sure people want to leave a legacy and stuff, but, like, 
you shouldn't. I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess they didn't know Trump was going to get elected, but still, like they, people should have some uh, guardrails on how long they uh, want to be in the Supreme Court. Hmm. Um, but that would be a somewhat more equitable system. Like just in general, the like randomness of eighty-year-olds dying is a bad way to determine power in our democracy. Um, yeah. What are some other some other interesting reforms? Um, okay, I, I think this came from some really far left circle, but I at least thought the idea was funny. Um, like now, unfortunately, we really can't agree on shit. So if you wanted to do something like reform electoral college and just make it popular vote instead, which I think is a great idea. Also, let's be real, like, swing states have so much power, it's really, really stupid. Yeah. Like, uh, so if we went to pure popular vote, the problem would be you would need a constitutional, you'd need to change the constitution, which is never going to happen because it requires, like, I forget what the requirements are, but it's like, it's basically everyone agreeing, like, two-thirds of the states have to ratify. Well, the whole point is, like, the rural states have more power because of electoral college, so I don't think they're going to ratify their power getting taken away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what joke, I, what not joke, but what idea I heard that at least sounded funny was you make Washington, D.C. Uh, 20 states. What? Like you cut it up into 20 bits. And they're all new states. It's Washington, D.C. 1, Washington, D.C. 2, Washington, D.C. 3. That's nuts. And they get 40 senators. <laughs> and then you, can, then you can pass whatever the fuck you want. And then you undo the, you undo the 40 senators. You make them not states again. Like, the whole point of it is just a weird temporary measure to, like, fix things in the Constitution and then, uh, and then undo it. <laughs> But like that the, the seems really not good. Well, okay. The problem with it is, is um, I think one of the things they would make illegal is the thing they just did. But like, I, I think the problem is, is you know, we're talking about breaking norms. What I just described isn't illegal. Yeah, like, yeah. You could do that. Like, it's just bad to just be in a bad faith, uh, pure power place, just because a lot of there's a lot of holes in the rule of law if you start acting that way. Yeah. So then the question uh -huh. becomes, should the Democrats do power too, so that eventually both go like, okay, we we kind of got out of hand. Or well, from a from a perfect perspective, I think um, it would be amazing if Trump lost by like 10%. It would be amazing if he like lost Texas, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, it'd be great if there was like 54 Democratic senators because it would be enough of a public rebuke. Rebuke? Is that what I'm saying? Rebuke, rebuke. Rebuke, there we go. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the conversation, I think I was using the word systematic and systemic interchangeably. Mm -hmm. You know what the difference between those two words are? Lost scarf? I think systemic's more, it's rooted in it, while systematic is more like being more orderly through thorough yeah basically it's uh systematic means methodical okay and systemic means like of the system mm -hmm. but uh so i definitely was talking about 
uh, systematic pulling error, which is probably wrong. But honestly, I feel like those words are so close. Give me a break, guys. Uh, if anything, I feel like systematic, like, suggests it's about the system more. Like, systemic is essentially the same thing, but they pronounce the word system kind of differently in there. Uh, I feel like it underemphasizes that. But the... Uh, Mm, what would be interesting? Like, it would be nice to just kind of plug some holes that Donald Trump was able to show exist. Yeah. Um, put some more teeth behind certain laws. Um, you know, I mean, the whole point with, I don't, I don't know. It's, do you know the whole uh, Nixon went to China thing? No. Uh, I might be, I might explain this slightly wrong, but like, Nixon normalized relationship with communist China. And in okay. some ways, only Nixon could do that because Nixon had been accusing his political rivals of being communist for forever. And it's like if someone else did it, it would it would come off uh, like, I don't know, I think it might have come off like titulation, if that makes sense or sympathy in a way we didn't need. Hmm. But Nixon could do it because no one hates no one hates communists more than Nixon. Hmm. So Nixon can make a deal like that. Um, I don't know. Trump never really did it. But honestly, I kind of wish um, I kind of wish Trump did that on like gun reform or something like that. Um, just because I don't know, like, you know, if Obama did any kind of gun reform, Obama's taking our guns away. Yeah. But, like, I don't know if Trump is just like, yeah, background checks aren't that bad. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Like, Trump has a freaking cult. Like, they wouldn't care that much. You know, they're not going to disown him over that. Um, so, in some ways, I mean, the, you know, one reason why I like Joe Biden is Joe Biden was the most moderate candidate in the Democratic primary. And, you know, when people try and paint Joe Biden, oh, he's a he's a socialist, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> no, like he won because he isn't a socialist. Yeah, if they wanted that. Like, it would have been Bernie. Jesus. Yeah. So that said, in some ways there, uh, not to give rise to the, uh, uh, Trojan horse Biden thing, but in some ways it could be easier to pass. Um, it could be easier to pass, uh, some like more left progressive ideas under Biden because it's Biden. Like yeah. Nixon can go to China, Biden can pass progressive things. The issue is if Biden's passing the progressive things, it's uh, to me. I think it would come off more as like I don't. I don't think necessarily. I think every like super progressive idea is bad. It's just usually. Um, honestly, I find progressives uh, frame their ideas in the dumbest way possible. Yeah. Uh, half the time, like if you describe the policy changes of defund the police, it's not that bad. When you call it defund the police, it sounds really bad. <laughs> like so I don't, you know, like stuff like that. But um, there is a chance that Biden could get some relatively uh, progressive ideas through because he would bring them credibility as more being good ideas. And it's not just like some socialist wet dream he's been having for the last 40 years. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, like he can he can bring credibility to certain ideas with his moderateness. 
um, which might be a thing. Uh, but like I said, it kind of depends. Like, you know, if uh, if Democrats don't get at least 50 seats in the Senate, like nothing's going to fucking happen for the next four years. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, you won't have Trump actively sabotaging certain departments of our government, which is good. But, I mean, it might just kind of be like a stalemate for four years if you don't win the Senate, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, or, or it might just be, you know, it might be Democrats get stuff done in two years and then they lose the Senate or the House and then it goes back to being a stalemate. Um, but, uh, what's the other? Oh, okay. I was talking at the very beginning about how people, um, 2018 is really skewing people's perception of the current election. Yeah. That's the other thing that's funny. It's like, yo, remember 2018 happened? Remember, like, Democrats, like, swept the House? Like, in a huge, like, oh, like, 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 it's just, like, people's last reference point is 2016. Mm-hmm. Like, Republicans got crushed in 2018. Yeah. Like, so, I don't know. It's just funny. It's like, it's like, oh, it's like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's looking bad for Trump. Like that's what they always said. Remember 2016? I'm like, I don't know. Like maybe this year will be like 2018 though. Like you don't know. <laughs> I mean, generally presidential elections do have different characters than midterm elections. Yeah. But still like 2018 is not nothing. It's more recent yeah. than 2016. Um, but anyway, let's see. What's um, What's a good question? Like, there's no reason to talk about the, the, the character controversies, because we all know that stuff, because that gets thrown in our face the most. Um, when you get down to the actual policies of things, I think Biden will actually have a plan. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, to, defend, to defend Biden, because I've mostly probably just been talking shit about Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say, you know, I probably did it in... I probably did it in this here podcast. Like I am. uh, How about this? Like in some ways being smart is a little overrated, (laughs) Um, but like I'm smart. Uh, I can definitely talk too much. I definitely said something stupid during this, you know, three hour podcast. Right. I definitely said systematic when I meant systemic, you know? Yeah. If you, if I talked four hours a day, like politicians do, yeah, and you did a supercut of every dumb thing I said, I will definitely trip over my words at various points. I will definitely say dumb things. This is very you know? true. So, like, you know, people look at supercuts of Joe Biden, like spacing on words or whatever. You know, I maybe I'm on the more liberal side of Twitter. There's supercuts of Trump uh, saying dumb things and not being able to find his words and all that yeah. stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I'm generally like, Joe Biden has dementia. Donald Trump has a stroke. Like, I'm generally just on the more forgiving side of like, yo, if I talked four hours a day, my supercut would look like shit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, as a like, I don't know. I find that just dubious. But I don't know. I mean, uh, I didn't look good in the last uh, debate, I thought. I mean, the problem is in the first debate, Trump was unhinged. And yeah. it kind of didn't matter what he said, just the vibe of him being unhinged kind of hurt him. Mm. So in the second debate, you know, Trump looked better where, I mean, he still, the words out of his mouth were somewhat divorced from reality, but like 
his aesthetic was not nearly as bad as it was in the first debate, um, which I mean, in some ways scared me a little. I'm like, oh no, Trump's going to act sane now. But um, <laughs> it did it did give Biden a lot more room to answer like a normal person, and Biden I thought came off better too. I don't know if that uh, I don't know what the net win on that was of like who that was better for. But like I don't know, like the uh, the Biden has dementia argument has always been dubious because I mean, okay, correct me wrong. Biden does legitimately have a stutter. Um, like yeah. I've known people, mm-hmm. known people with stutters. Like sometimes they know the word they want to say and they just can't say it. And they have to go find some other word they need to say instead. You know, um, like I mean, whatever people people can overcome that at various levels. But like even if he didn't have a stutter, like I've never been like so offended by any like Biden spacing on a word just Mm -hmm. based on like how much those people talk. Um, But uh, let's see the, uh, I do feel like a valid uh, annoyance is it's two old white guys again. You know, let's see. I don't, all right. I don't want to make, contrarian argument like sometimes i'm tempted to make contrarian arguments mm. i sometimes i don't really care yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm just like i'm tempted just to make them for the sake of making them um so if you want to complain it's really weird we haven't had a woman president yeah uh but if you look at like the mechanics of elections it's like, all right, all right, let me put it this way. What, like, okay, one time I was listening to uh, the radio and someone was complaining that a majority black district in the town I lived in at the time, like the, the race was between two white people or just one or a white person was running or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, we really need and like, I think they had some clip of whoever white person the politician was. Like, I mean, they were on board with representing their district or whatever. I mean, it could have been, like, politician speak, but whatever. Yeah. But the person arguing it was saying that... The person arguing it was basically that, like, the uh, the person representing the district should reflect the district, like, from a demographic point of view. But, like, I was thinking about that, and, like, and then maybe, you know, here's that you maybe can make an argument that nationwide's different than, like, a small district of a city or something. But, like, based on that, Barack Obama should have never been president. It's you true. Know? Yeah, yeah. Like, black people only make up 13% of the American population. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing, like, I, I, like, I think that... Um, you know, sometimes people are underrepresented because of a systemic bias or things like that, and those are things we should correct. Yeah. But like, yeah. So the point the point I was going to make is, um, if if you're like really going for like some super representative thing, yeah. like like uh, I've talked to some people that like really underestimate how many white people are in America. There's a lot yeah, of white. People. It's true. Think about it that way. Yeah. On top of it. White people are also um, more so than their percentage of the population. There are even more white voters proportionally than there are in the uh, like people in the country. So, like, if people just voted for people that looked like them, you would never have a non-white president. Um, 
And like, so, you know, on paper, I think we should sometimes, you know, uh, I get the issue of, you know, some people would like to be more represented. And I think that's good, too. But it's like, in the perfect world, we just have some meritocracy and no one cares. And in a meritocracy, you would still end up with a decent amount of white dudes just because they're still a large percentage of the population. Yeah. Um, in this case, I also think you have a problem of it kind of depends on like what generation we're talking about. So if we're talking about, you know, hiring a 25 year old for an entry level position, I would expect it to be like relatively diverse depending on the industry. If you're looking to hire a 60 year old CEO, you're kind of dealing with the biases of 60 years ago. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's true. Like the woman that could have, could be an amazing CEO now was filtered out of contention, you know, like 40 years ago based on whatever barriers existed back then. Mm. So if you're dealing with the 70 year old market, it's going to be, you know, it's the, a lot of people will have been filtered out based on the stuff back then. Obviously, some younger people ran for president this year and didn't make it. But um, uh, that said, I mean, OK, how about this? Uh, when was the, the last white guy that Democrats nominated was in 2004? That was John Kerry. John Kerry. Hmm. Like. I mean, the Republicans are always nominating white guys, but purely from, like, a Democrat perspective, like, I mean, it's been a while. It's not like it's been, like, a crazy flood of white guys, if that makes sense. Good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, in, in, like, I don't know. I, uh, whatever. I mean, I'm, I, like, I'm not, uh, I'm for removing systematic barriers, or systemic, excuse me. <laughs> uh... And ultimately having, I mean, I'm in favor of things being more representative of the population naturally. Um, But I don't know, like, just sometimes, like, if you're trying to, like, like, I don't know. I look at population demographics a little bit more than most people, I guess. Yeah. It's like, you know, if there's like, you know, I don't know. A room of ten people. Okay, actually, here's 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 a better example because I don't want to, I don't want to get in trouble and just talk and accidentally say something stupid about race that I don't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, what percentage of the population are atheists? No clue. I don't remember, but it's like weirdly low. Okay. Because um, that's like atheists so like, versus like Christianity, Islam, Judaism, all all the religions, right? So it's not going to be a big number. Uh, Islam's pretty low too. Uh, it's just like, but like, technically, let's just say I don't know. Let's say five percent of America is atheist. Okay. So occasionally, people will say like, "Why aren't five percent of people in Congress atheists?" Hmm. It's like, well, the issue is, it's not that you know, it's not that five percent of the country is atheist. Therefore, five percent of Congress should be atheist. It's that. One district needs five percent of the districts need to have fifty percent atheist in them, in order for that. Uh, like, if, if if assuming people are single issue voters on religion, like no one's single, like, yeah. uh, but that's the issue of just enough people like somewhat care about religion, where 
it would be uh, like I said, if people were single issue voting on religion, you need fifty percent in one like congressional district to be that thing. So if you're five percent and you're just kind of spread out, it doesn't it doesn't like coalesce into any political power. Yeah. Um. But uh, let's hear. I don't know. That's I mean, whatever. I mean, if you talk to the right people, they'll tell you Obama was an atheist or Muslim or something else. But uh, it's the one thing I didn't I don't want to touch on because it's useless is just misinformation and the things people believe. It's pretty worthless at times. No, I mean, yeah, it's for for the record. uh, I don't think any of that nonsense. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. You know, honest. Okay, one thing I did see that was funny, though, I think this is a joke on Twitter somewhere Um, in terms of monkey paw shit. Um, it was someone like wishing there was an atheist president and yo, Hey, I mean, it might be Trump. Trump might be the first atheist president. (laughs) Like, uh, I mean, I mean, Trump at least gives lip service to, uh, but like, there's no, like, there's no, uh, I don't think there's any evidence that Trump does anything particularly religious when cameras aren't around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's definitely, Um, he got picked up. Uh, everything he's done in relation to religion is ridiculous. He's fighting with the Pope, for God's sakes, for one. Another is... Oh, oh I'm, not, I'm not against that. I'm not against okay, fighting with okay. the Pope. Okay, okay. I... Well, it's, okay, he's not... He doesn't represent all of Christianity at the end of the day. But, um... I mean, like, when he, he cleared that place out just so we can do a photo op at the front of that church, and he's holding the Bible like a dork, upside down and everything... Like, all yeah, he I mean, ever does is lip service. Like I said, a significant portion of very, reli- like, people that are voting for him that are very religious don't think he's, like, religious in any way whatsoever. They're just kind of in it for the transaction. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, like that tra- what? Hello? Okay. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see my anime girl moving her mouth? No. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, he's big with the evangelicals, which is so weird to me. They're aggressively for Trump, and he is very much more, like, he doesn't do enough. I, w- I don't feel like he does enough for, like, the fanatics, but yet he has them. Uh, Even with Pence being there, I don't feel like it's enough. I mean, so I think the issue is, is that, um, uh... The issue is... They don't is, have anyone else to go to, I guess. No, the issue is that um, even previous religious politicians spoke in code. Hmm. Where, like, Trump doesn't speak in code, and he's so transactional that he doesn't really care. So, like, I'm pretty sure Trump was, like, one of the first politicians ever to just be like, we're gonna appoint pro-life judges. Like, the, no one's ever said it that blatantly. They would just say, like, oh, you know, like, life is very valuable. Like, they would just say it in a politician way. Mm-hmm. And Trump just made no qualms. Vote for me. I'll get you what you want. I'm not going to dick around and pretend. So they're kind of on board with it for how direct it is. Is, is abortion, like, the only topic religion cares about? Hmm? Like, uh, when just thinking about it, like, as a single issue, like, the single issues usually are, like, abortion yeah. and guns rights 
and whatever or some people there's whatever reforms hot topic at the moment like it it could have been like i don't think no one cares about immigration this this election from what i can tell i have not heard any talking at all about it. Um, i mean i mean mexico built paid for the wall so i mean that's, that's all. <laughs> like i feel like if COVID didn't happen maybe they would have talked about that maybe they would have talked about china i feel like COVID has basically killed any conversation about the economic side of the the fight with China. Uh, yeah, I mean, that whole trade war, in my mind, was bad. I mean, they were just like, I don't know. They were just restructuring, they, basically. They were, they were sort of working on a trade deal, but I don't... I, you know, I mean, as, as a former Republican, uh, I don't know. I think we should have done the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Like, the whole point of that was we had a trade deal with every Asian country except for China. Yeah. It was supposed to economically isolate China. It sounded dope to me. Like Obama liked it. The Republicans kind of liked it. Like uh, I don't. That one sounded good. Uh, but whatever. Uh, 2016, there was a weird populist nonsense, and then everyone had to be against it because they were like that South Park episode of they took her jobs or whatever. <laughs> but, um, which, which, like that would have been a good one because yeah, isolating China would have been great. Uh, China. <laughs> Is getting way too big for its britches, honestly. I mean, we've, I mean, under the Trump era, we've seeded global leadership. So, I yeah, mean, we uh, have. Mm. and I don't know, the whole like election interference thing is mostly designed just to make it look fucking stupid and just get people more on board with just authoritarian single government systems. Yeah. Um, which is great. But the, um, uh, okay, looking for atheism in the United States Wikipedia article, um, the answer is low. <laughs> uh, Self-identified atheists are 3% of the population, hmm. although 9% of Americans agree they don't believe in God. And hmm. so, like, yeah, I don't know. At the, uh, but that's, there's plenty of religions that don't even have a God in it anyway, so. Oh, not really. Okay, okay, okay. Eastern religions don't have that many. Oh, okay, okay. Some do, yeah, fudge but, it. But okay, also, so, yeah. like, Buddha doesn't have a God. But Buddhism doesn't have a God. They do, but they do though. Buddha's not a god. Oh, I... There's different. There's different branches of Buddhism, and some of them treat Buddha as god. Oh, I call bullshit on those guys. I'm like, he's just a, a really, a really balanced dude. Uh... I mean, there, there's. I mean, it's okay. Mm. As much as I so, to be honest, I don't care about Buddhism, so I haven't like done a ton of research into okay, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, make good argument, but like, it sometimes Buddhism gets like portrayed like it's some other thing that's like and like whatever it doesn't have like all the traits of like western religions you know, there's there's fundamentalist buddhist terrorists like it's not that different does that make sense okay yeah. like there are people who take it a little too serious like any religion but just like there i just i know there's branches of boot like non-trivial branches of buddhism where buddha's a god you know um sorry I don't, again, I don't know like, what the exact split is, but I know it definitely exists. Like, it's, not, it's not like a jokey, it's just more like some countries are the Buddha's God version of Buddha's, other countries aren't. Like, mm -hmm. it's the whole country. It's not like 5% think Buddha's a God kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I would say, like, Eastern has more no God or... Or I don't think Eastern has that many mono god. They have more like poly polytheists. They're either there's no god or they're polytheists, from what I can 
remember from the Eastern religions I, I can think of. I don't know. I, I think we're both talking out of our depth on this one. Um, going back to the to the to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. the way I see it is, because um, Pence is like, I think it's Roberts. It is Robert. I think he said Justice Roberts is a disappointment because he has been tipping the majority to the left. But I think it's, he, I think he's been doing a good job of doing that because he's. It's been a lot of whenever he tips to the left, it's like, come on, guys, that was a really ham-fisted attempt. You can do better than that to the Republicans. It's like his letters oh. are usually that. All right. Well, all right. So for the record. Uh, man, am I stupid? Is it still Roberts? Wait. Isn't it Roberts? Like, and um, I'm, some, I'm so confused. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. And it has the most recent one as Roberts, but I'm pretty sure Roberts retired. Didn't Roberts retire? No, I was uh, the other white guy. Let's see. Now I'll look. Now I'll look. Um, Supreme Court. No, no, no. I'm trying to read manga right now. Supreme Court. Yo, what's your latest manga, man? So, okay. So this is an interesting one called A Sentence of a Bookworm. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite Izakay. So it's just straight up a, just a librarian girl. Super loves books. She dies and gets reborn in a in a place where there's no books. Like only the nobility have books. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I don't know what time period you would put our society. Mm-hmm. Like definitely medieval sometime where it's or it's all about you do your trade and you survive. You try to survive the winter every year and. You have a noble that, you, like, you have a lord and all that. Like, it's like king states and all that stuff, city states and all that. And so it's just a story of this little girl trying to, well, make a book and try to also try to survive in this different world because it has some magic. And it's just interesting because the one thing I like about Japanese, like, anime sometimes is they get really informative. Mm-hmm. So she gets really informative about trying to make paper. So she tries to make. P- p- Papyrus or papyrus. papyrus. She tries to make cuneiform uh, t- uh, clay tablets. She eventually she settles on Japanese paper because of course she does, and she goes over the entire process of how to make Japanese paper, which is very interesting. But she also goes over how you make soap in this time period, how you make scented candles. Does she does she cut up the soap and make creepy videos about it? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, I see what you're getting at. Those soap videos—they're so weird. They're so weird. Um, it's a callback. It's a callback to the last podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. like two hours in that probably no one got to. Oh yeah, yeah wait. By the way, because uh, no one did it in the last one. If you get two hours in and you get to the point, like I'll give, like I don't know. Do you want to give people Steam gift cards? Like honestly, like I will <laughs> give people, I will give people money if they say. Hey, I listened to two and a half hours in, and I got to the part where you said uh, you'd give me money. <laughs> if you just like write a comment, basically recognizing you got this far, I will give you money. I don't know how much, but whatever. Like, give me like I can give you ten dollars on Steam or some shit. Like, why yeah. not? Steam has ten dollar gift cards. I'll uh. What's proving? No one's actually gotten this far, but <laughs> you do. I'll pay. I don't care. I've got at least one guy I know who will get through this whole thing. I thought we said in the last one. No one commented that. Uh, did we? I don't remember anymore. Uh, I know at least one guy who will listen to the whole thing. 
for sure. So good for him. He's going to get $10 on stage. Maybe they thought it was a joke last time, but it's <laughs> not a joke. If you make a comment recognizing you got this far and that we said this, I will do something. There you go. And that'll stay in the video. That will. Uh, and this anime, listen to this anime girl. She promises you money. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about the anime girl is sometimes she'll go into neutral because I guess the cam loses control. Uh, loses. I, I, I'm not always staring at the camera. I'm yeah. kind of spacing out sometimes. So sometimes it doesn't see you and it's just her looking at the camera sternly while you're talking. She's like, you better be listening. <laughs> it's funny. It is so funny. I'm enjoying this this anime girl representation. <laughs> it's hilarious. But yeah, uh, A Sinister of a Bookworm. Everyone check it out. I like it. Mm. Uh, just it's, it's just interesting. It's my yeah. favorite isekai, and it has no combat at all. It's just very interesting seeing this character try to thrive. Instead of doing that like some kind of weeb. Oh, yeah, I was looking up the Supreme Court. <laughs> Instead of doing that like some kind of weeb, you could just buy every volume of One Punch Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One Punch is good, so I'm going against that. 2020, good justices. Okay, maybe, okay. Wait, I'm spacing out, I think. Okay, here's what might have happened. Okay. John Roberts might still be the Supreme Justice, the, uh, the Chief Justice of the, of the United States. You thinking of who but- Jack Kavanaugh replaced? Yeah, that's the, whoever the swing vote was. There was some swing vote before who yeah. was the guy, and I think I think Roberts has become the swing vote yeah. and has acted more moderately. It's like you know, there's a difference. It's just a difference between like being a protest vote and being the guy whose like name is on uh, is on the you know uh, like big precedent changes. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, Anthony McLeod Kennedy. He was the swing vote on many of Robert Scorch's five to four decisions. Yeah, yeah, it was so Kennedy, I guess. And Basically, th- Robert stepped up and became more small C conservative after Kennedy left. Yeah. Which, with uh, the standpoint you've put, it makes sense that he'd do that. But, uh, but he, I feel like he's um, every time he's closed the door on whatever, but he always leaves a window to the Republicans. Like, if you want to get this in, you got to do a better job of it kind of thing i mean okay i know they did a couple things like so for example um trump was trying to have a citizenship question on the census yeah uh and the issue with that was the issue is i think we already know how many citizens there are and so the point of this you know the census is supposed to count everyone yeah and it would just undercount it probably just undercount certain groups that would be intimidated by that question yeah and then i don't and, you know i don't know they want to like i don't know remove political power from states with lots of immigrants i guess i think i guess that's what they're going for but the um so like the president is the executive branch, so they execute the law, so it's their job to do it, and he's in charge of it, so he can kind of do it any way he wants. Yeah. Uh, so it's not illegal for the, them to ask that question. Also, to be fair, I mean, on its face, that's not necessarily a bad question. You know, it's not, uh, but anyway, but the, um, I see the consequences of it, though. Yeah. Uh, so, but like, you know, I don't know, if you, if you designed it from the ground up, to figure that out, you probably could. But it's more like they're just kind of like slapping it in late and it wasn't really like tested or worked on. 
Um, so the Supreme Court undid it, but they undid it on you did this so sloppy, like it constitutes, I don't know, some like some constitutional problem. But it was just like, yeah, if you did this good, like mm-hmm. it would be technically be okay. I can't remember. They might have done that with DACA too. Yeah, I think so. With DACA. Yeah, it was definitely with DACA as well. Yeah, the issue with DACA is, um, okay, I would just say, you know, just because I feel like I need to throw, sometimes I th- need to throw more shade at um, at liberal left causes just for some kind of moderate credibility. <laughs> um, I don't, speaking of just like politicians like framing things in a way that's just kind of annoying. Mm. I hated the phrase dreamers. Mm, yeah. Like, okay, people taken to America as, like, you know, their parents illegally immigrated them to America when they're children. Like, that's a, you know, I can't remember. There's some way of saying that faster that makes sense. But just, like, they're dreamers. They dream of going to college and having a family. Like, I don't, like... (laughs) That's everyone. Yeah, I don't, that's, like, it's, like, they came up with, like, two saccharine of a term. Uh, But anyway, it was, so, yeah, I mean, it was giving... It was giving more legal status rights to illegal immigrant children. Because at this point, like, some of them are 30 and have lived here their whole lives and exclusively speak English. Yeah. Like, you can't send them back to Panama, uh, necessarily. Um, you know, whatever. They're, like, contributing members of society. It makes sense to provide them a, a, us more. You know, like, yeah, if someone walked over the border yesterday and, you know, you want to, like, give them a speedy trial and send them back, I'm not necessarily opposed to that. Yeah. But, like, yo, if you miss them for 25 years, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of our fault for not catching, for, like, not correcting that issue sooner. Yeah. So, I don't know the point of, like, trying to be vindictive about it now. But, um... They pay so, their damn taxes. Like, Jesus. Yeah, I don't know. The, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, yeah, so the issue was they couldn't... Basically, uh, DACA was an executive order under Obama. And executive orders only last as long as the executive does. Yeah. And um, Trump didn't really want to, like, keep doing DACA based on executive orders. And he undid DACA... Uh, kind of as a way to pressure Congress to pass immigration reform. Hmm. And, uh, but like, they also like put in a bunch of poison pill stuff, uh, like just kind of a, like, uh, like a more hardliner immigration wish list of things. And so, and, and ended up nothing ever happened. We never passed immigration reform and DACA was undone. And it's just kind of weird. Cause like, I don't know, like, People had to come out and say, "Hey, I'm 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 an illegal immigrant who was brought here as a child." So, like, the federal government has their info. Yeah, you know. So it's a little weird to be like, "Yeah, that law that said it was okay, gone." Like, if we want to, like, you know, uh, like, uh, so that's a scare, very scary for some people. Mm-hmm. Did you? Okay, did you know? Did you know that? Democrats were willing to fund the border wall in exchange for a clean DACA bill. Yeah, that was in the first or second year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was more in the first half. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, like, uh, but I don't know, it was just, I, I was never talking about someone that like, oh, Trump couldn't do anything because the Democrats stopped him. I'm like, 
They had part, they had control of all, every branch of government, every branch of government right? for two years. They passed tax reform. Apparently, yeah. that was their highest priority. Like I don't like they pushed like, that the, through. That's the one thing they did. But like just like these other things, like uh, they didn't not do it because they didn't have like they couldn't repeal Obamacare because Republicans couldn't agree on it. Uh, so I don't know like what you want. Uh, oh, by the way, okay, so quickly on Obamacare. Um, so the thing that's with Obamacare that's funny is Obamacare is a conservative idea. Yep. It came out of the Heritage Foundation think tank. And based, like, I don't know, Democrats had been wanting to pass health care reform for a long time, but, like, couldn't really get a Republicans to agree. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of problems in the healthcare system that were kind of mounting. And so people like the Heritage Foundation were like, well, let's kind of come up with like a conservative way to reform health care before like Bernie Sanders gets elected president, basically. And Mitt Romney passed the idea in Massachusetts, and it, I think it worked out OK for them. And basically, when Democrats got power under Obama, they were like, oh, Republicans are OK with health care reform now. Let's just pass their stupid idea so we'll all get on board with this. Uh, and so that's the problem is when, you know, Republicans basically didn't go along with Obamacare and then campaigned against it. The issue is they don't have any replacements for Obamacare because Obamacare is, it, it is the best conservative idea for healthcare reform. <laughs> so they don't have anything else because that's their idea. Like, <laughs> You know, uh, basically Obamacare is, you know, it's just expanding. Um, it's expanding private insurance to make sure it covers everyone. It's just kind of like in the pre-Obamacare world, there was a real problem where people could buy like placebo insurance. So it would be like um, you basically it would like max. You know how like insurance have like maximum out of pocket. Yeah. They had maximum out of pockets, but like for the insurance company, like at most we'll pay you 50 K uh, oh. a year, something like that. So, oh. you know, you got in a car accident and uh, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I've mentioned in blog. So, OK, you got in a car accident and got your back fucked up. How much did this surgery cost? <laughs> I'm not going to say that number, but it's a big number. Like and that's like the, the raw pre-insurance number. Yeah, it's definitely probably. I mean, either fifty k or more than fifty k, mm-hmm. uh, probably more. And like, yeah, if you got COVID and we're in the ICU for a week, that's like a hundred k. If you get if you get cancer, that's like a million dollars worth of coverage that you need. So there were people that had this pl- pl- placebo insurance would get cancer, and then they uh, like their family would like mortgage their house. To pay for their, you know, like their husband or whatever that got cancer, yeah. and then the husband, then the person would die, and they'd have a million dollars in debt. Um, like that kind of crap happened in the pre-Obamacare world, yeah. and uh, so actually, okay, I run, like uh, a, f- a funny thing. Um, I don't know. Like I was watching the debate, and uh, like honestly, like every almost every other thing out of Trump's mouth was like verifiably false. Um, but like, here's the thing: politicians do like. I think that I mean, in some ways, I think they have a problem where you only get so much time from people, and sometimes it's 
Well, it's easier to fudge the truth or just flat out lie than give the complicated version. Hmm. So Biden said in the last debate that Obama didn't take away anyone's insurance and that he wouldn't do it either. Uh, yo, no, they definitely took away people's insurance. Uh, the issue was it was it was that placebo insurance. Like they basically raised the standards of insurance to like. And so some of those like people providing insurance, like placebo insurance, stopped. You know, they stopped doing those plans and people lost whatever insurance they were on previously under Obamacare. Right. Hmm. The issue is that was one of the best parts about the law. <laughs> um, you know, but like it's too complicated to explain the whole placebo insurance issue. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and yeah, it sucks when people have to change their plans. But the whole issue is like those people had a, like a decent chance of getting bankrupt by the bullshit insurance they had. Mm. Um, and the best thing about the law is it banned their stupid insurance. Uh, so I don't, that's one of those things where like. You know, if I was in a debate on television and people like, you know, could only take so much nuance. Yeah. I'm not, I only got like 45 seconds. Can I really explain the placebo insurance issue? No. Like, what's just going to happen is someone's going to do an ad of someone like, I lost my insurance under two prime O'Care. And here's a clip of his debate saying it's a good thing. Like, how dare you two? Like, it's just going to turn out like that. Hmm. So, like, it's almost just worth it. Like, eh. How many people are going to look this up? You're not going to lose your insurance, I swear. You know, like... <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's why that's why Trump and the Republicans couldn't undo Obamacare, is because um, they had no plan. Because, they like, they the best idea is Obamacare. Like, the liberal alternatives is, like, some Bernie shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Republicans should want Obamacare to succeed. It's their idea. It keep, it maintains private insurance. It's basically just making sure that there's universal coverage, which honestly is like a like that comes off like one of those arguments where like people are like, I don't have any kids. Why should I pay for public schools? I'm like, do you want to interact with the uh, the unwashed masses that can't even like don't even get to go to school? Like, is that like there's a certain point of like, is that the society you want to live in? Like, it's better for everyone that people get to go to school. It's better for everyone that people have some basic level of insurance. Because, like, I mean, ultimately, like, we can't... Okay, if you wanted to have a... If you wanted to have some libertarian society where people have to live with the consequences of their choices, I don't know if it would be good, but it might work if you, like develop the system ground up to be that way Hmm. you know your grandma smokes two packs a day she's got no savings she's dead you know like i mean in some ways you know like i don't necessarily believe this but just to kind of represent this point of view does it make sense to spend two billion dollars on experimental health care for 75 year old grandma that smokes two packs a day like, so she might live another two and a half years. Like, um, you know, you say that and then people accuse you of getting of being death panels. But like, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's certain people that view it that way. And so maybe a more like uh, a more libertarian system might have certain benefits if you went with more of this more of that model. 
but like basically people uh people want grandma to live you yeah. know like people aren't we're not we're not having old people jump off of cliffs when they reach the age 70 because society doesn't want to support them anymore you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh like i like what i'm just saying is if you had some dictator island and you set up some weird libertarian healthcare system I don't know. Maybe it could work. Maybe it would be good in certain circumstances. But we're so far from that. Like, introducing a handful of elements of that system make the current system worse. Hmm. Uh, like, to me, like, you either go one of two ways. You could, you could do your weird libertarian thing, or you could do kind of more of a government-involved nanny state kind of thing. My issue is we're, like, we're currently doing the worst of both worlds, hmm. where... You get to smoke two packs a day and slowly kill yourself, and then the government pays for you and all your health problems afterwards. Like, either you can smoke yourself to death, and then no one pays for it, and you die. I mean, that's kind of a brutal system, but it has some sort of, like, it makes some sense on its own. Mm -hmm. Or we're in the version where the government pays for your insurance, but we're going to nag you about the cigarettes, because ultimately taxpayers are responsible for you killing yourself. And to me, we're much closer to that one, and we could actually do that one well if we wanted to. Hmm. And we're so far from the other one, we might as well just do that one. Like, there are pros and cons to both, but I'd rather go more towards a nanny state where, you know, uh, people don't have to make... people Like, it's weird where people have to make weird choices about, like, okay, all right. All right, how about that? Let me, let me start over here. Um, hey, Lost Scarf. What people get... Which, which people get the most sick? Uh, it's gonna be... I feel like children or old people? Old people is one. Uh, I mean, children get sick, but, like, I don't know. They're also children. Like, yeah. they, they get sick over weird things, but they also bounce... Like, I mean, you can... Children recover from crazy stuff that adults can't cover from. Yeah. Uh, what's the other major group that gets super sick? Uh, no, no, no. The obese. What's that a, a, that what, what, is a, what is a factor that makes you obese? Oh, the poor? The poor. Uh, uh, lost scarf. What are the two groups the government currently pays health insurance for? I got no idea. Old people and the poor. Okay. So, you know, Medicare? Yeah. Medicare pays for old people's insurance. And then, I thought it was Medicaid. Shoot, I get those backwards. Medicaid is for poor people. Oh, okay. So, uh, I used to... um, I used to do consulting work in rural hospitals. Uh, so guess what? You go into a rural hospital, every single person there is getting their care taken by the government. Like, you know, when people talk about, like, oh, single pair, it'd be so bad. Like, in a lot of ways, we kind of already have it. Like I said, I grew up more conservative, but, like, yeah. especially working in those hospitals, I'm like, oh, actually, nah, not a lot actually would change if we went to single payer. I'm not, like I said, I'm not exa- I'm not like a super, supp- I'm not like a big supporter of Bernie Sanders' healthcare plan or anything. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, and the real issue is like, you know, dismantling insurance companies uh, would be weird. 
and a little traumatic, I think. But um, but no, like the the idea that we'd be have some crazy radically different health system if it was single payer. No, it's like most the people that get the most care are already getting paid for by the government. So like a current thing that happens is if Medicare covers something, private insurance covers it too. Like uh, Medicare, hmm. I think. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure Medicare is the largest healthcare insurer, like compared to private insurance. I could be wrong on that, but like, like when Medicare does something, private insurance follows. Okay. Like we already have like a lot of government leadership in health insurance. Um, and it's also funny because like, I mean, generally old people really like Medicare. Um, but, uh, uh, da, 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 what was I saying? Uh, so my point was like, you know, if someone is uh, avoids care and their health deteriorates, eventually they're going to go to emergency room or something like that. And yeah. if you can't like emergency rooms don't like check your credit card before they help you. So uh, it's just a part of doing business in hospitals where you write off like basically charity care in emergency rooms when people show up and they can't pay. Um, so like there's like still like a taxpayer cost of just uh, the population being like, uh, there's, there's still a cost to not paying for people's insurance. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, I'm not saying like, sometimes people argue this and it's not necessarily true that you know, we're losing money by not giving people insurance. Like, nah, it'll probably cost money, but, like, there are long-term benefits to society of uh, people being relatively, of, you know, people being healthy, even if they're poor or something. Um, you know, having a, like, a non-healthy, like, a healthy workforce and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, the... Uh, uh, all right, to finish this off, uh, where I got in fights with Bernie people is um, <laughs> I think it's a reasonable goal to want universal health care coverage in the United States. Um, my issue is the easiest way to do that is by expanding Obamacare. You want to do a public option. You just want to subsidize stuff to make it cheaper. Do it. Like, uh, all that's fine. And the issue is, we, you know, we were kind of got like Obamacare got shat on for years. And at the moment, it's popular. Like, you might as well just kind of build on that infrastructure and make it better. Now that we've like, you know, Democrats have already taken the political hit of passing Obamacare. You know, you might as well just make it better and people will deal with it. Mm. Uh, the, the other issue is, you know, like, I don't know how many Senate seats the Democrats will win, but the Senate has this rural bias. Joe Manchin is a Democratic senator from West Virginia. You need him to vote for things. He's not going to vote for Medicare for all. Like, by setting the goal that out there, it's going to make it harder to get universal coverage than easier. If we were starting from scratch, like, is a single-payer system viable? Definitely. In some cases, would it be better or make more sense if we went with that? Maybe. The issue is just, like, we already have a really complicated system, and just, like, basically doing this really pure form of single-payer, because Bernie Sanders 
his mind is still in the seventies, you know, like it's not, it's not the best way. It's not the, it's not the only way to get universal coverage. And it's not necessarily the easiest way to get it passed either. Uh, so that was my issue. Um, it was just like, I didn't think it was like pushing for that so hard was necessarily like, I didn't think it was going to work. I think they were going to blow their shot pushing for that. And then we would just end up with exactly what we have now. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I just want to say, I don't know, Bernie Sanders also pissed me off, where Medicare for all is not a bad uh, slogan. And when he first started it, he left it very vague. He basically just said it means universal coverage. And honestly, Medicare for all means universal coverage is a good slogan. And at some point when he was running for president, he switched it and he's like, yeah, let's fuck them insurance companies. I'm like, what? Like, that makes it way harder to do than it needs to be. Um, this this leads to a question I've always asked, and that is, why do poor white voters vote against themselves so much? Is it just a lack of understanding? Uh, let's see. I mean, okay. To be, I mean, yeah. All right. To be fair, I mean, whatever. Not, very few groups are monoliths. Yeah. So not every poor white voters like that. But it's uh, the majority every time, isn't it? Like, probably the. A lot of it is like um, cultural identity. So if you look at, I don't know how it changed, but so the Republicans were more of a urban, like Northeast party for a long time. And, um, and like Democrats had all the poor white voters, you know? Yeah. Uh, And that's what blue dog, like that's what Southern Democrats were a lot of the time. And um, I think Democrats had most of the poor voters. Um, And then I think it was uh, Barry Goldwater didn't support the 1964 uh, Civil Rights Act. And uh, like like Eisenhower, I can't remember. I think like black people voted like 60-40 for like Democrat Republicans and like the Eisenhower election. Hmm. Um, Like it wasn't nearly as monolithic. Um, but like at some point, I think Republicans kind of made the play for, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like the racist voters of the world. Hmm. Um, and that's just more like, okay, so like, I guess not that they're not voting, not that they're not voting against their own self-interest, but the, um, you know, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of interest out there. And trying to basically they get sorted into two binary camps. Uh, And it's, you know, like it's. uh, It's not that one group, like not no single group is like fully representing someone's interests, you know, like technically, whatever, like I'm not uh, I'm not poor. When taxes get raised, I technically pay for them. Am I voting against my self-interest by voting for higher taxes? Hmm. Then it comes down to like where what the what the taxes actually do and everything, right? Like, yeah, but like, like what you does know, it serve? like it might serve me, but you know, what would what would be the most efficient way to serve me is just to let let me keep my money. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, people have more complicated people have more complicated uh, relationships with their government than just necessarily things that directly benefit them. Hmm. Um. 
you know, like, uh, I mean, if, you know, if you like guns and you just want to, like, have loose-ass gun laws that technically benefits you, you know, like, if you, uh, I don't know, if you are vindictive against certain, if you, I don't know, are uncomfortable with certain groups and want their liberties limited, then that benefits you in that way. You know, like, I mean, it's, I guess it would be unfair. Like, now, do they vote against, like, you know, technically there's a lot. Okay, one thing I didn't like was um, I lived in a red state that didn't um, expand Obama, didn't expand Medicaid. So the way it was supposed to work with Obamacare was um, Medicaid would have been expanded. Like, in some states, Medicaid is just, like, you have to be unbelievably poor to qualify for Medicaid. So it was just raising the standard to which you qualify for Medicaid. And so if you're below that standard, you just get Medicaid and your insurance is free that way. If you're above that standard, you don't get Medicaid, but you get to buy a plan in the Obamacare marketplace. And those were subsidized for the government. So instead of being like 100% free insurance, you're getting like 50% free insurance, right? Yeah. What ended up happening was um by the way there's a lot of drama with obamacare where uh they needed to pass the senate and the senate version was shit and they were going to combine them the house version and the senate version together and like take away the dumb things in the senate like the senate version just had to have a bunch of promises to a bunch of random people hmm. uh and then kennedy uh kennedy died and he got replaced with a Republican in the in the Massachusetts election. And they couldn't do reconciliation is the process where you combine the bills. They couldn't do that anymore. And hmm. what ended up happening is the at the time, the really liberal House just had to pass the really shitty Senate version of Obamacare. So, for example, like. Why is there a bunch of individual exchanges per state instead of a national one? Because fucking the Senate version had individual state exchanges. And like, why was that? Like, there's just a bunch of weird details in the Senate one that have never gotten fixed ever. Uh, Because that wasn't really supposed to be the one that ultimately passed. And at that point, like this, like the Republicans took over and normally, okay, there's a bunch of weird shit where normally when you pass a law, there's a bunch of like unclear sentences and Congress just confirms that, oh, we meant it this way. And because because of the Republican control and because they were like not really working with the Obama administration, I don't think they were legally allowed to um, to update certain lines of the law. There, there is a bunch of dumb shit in Obamacare that just wasn't updated for a long time. They might have done some of it under Trump. I don't know. I just know for a long time there were certain problems that could have been easily fixed and weren't. Um, but, uh, oh, no. So the problem with red states was some red states um, cut off their nose to spite their faces and they didn't expand Medicaid. So it'd be really weird where certain people were too rich for Medicaid and too poor for the Obamacare subsidy rates. And what annoyed me was as a taxpayer for these states, I was paying taxes to the federal government. The federal government was sending it back to my state as Medicaid money. 
which in, like in some ways indirectly benefits me. Like I'm not against it. I'm in favor of it. Right. Mm-hmm. My state government was not accepting that money because the money could only go to Medicaid and they didn't want to expand Medicaid because they didn't want to help Obamacare. Mm. So it was pissing me off because in a lot of ways, Obamacare was really going to be a blue state subsidizing poorer red states. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, and like the, the red states refused to take their money, their own money back. And so it ended up being like, you know, Mississippi is paying taxes and it's going to New York, uh, which whatever, New York is fine, but they don't need Mississippi's money. Yeah. You know, Mississippi needs New York's money. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It didn't, I don't know. It was, uh. Uh, I don't know. It'd be cool if um, it'd be cool if under Biden, they actually kind of can do a updated version of Obamacare and make it work a little cleaner with some lessons learned and stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, all right. What else you got? What else you got? Lost okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we should wrap this up because we have broken three hours as far as I can tell. What, what if we? What if we just punish that one guy who listens all the way to the end? Though? With what? Uh, I don't know. You could keep talking about anime. <laughs> What's the worst anime you've ever seen, Lost Scarf? Uh, Baki. Baki's the worst anime I've ever seen. It is absolute what? trash, and I love it. It's what the so fuck bad. Is so, uh, Baki the the Grappler is. This isn't real. It's not real. That's what makes it so bad. Um, Baki the Grappler has been around for uh, decades. It's, how, it's like an old anime that's mm-hmm. still getting updated because they haven't finished the damn story. Um, it's like it's like the greatest fighter ever on the planet uh, has a son, and his entire goal is to have his son be strong enough to beat him, so he's a real shitbag to his son. And his son wants to be stronger than his dad, because he hates his dad. And so, like, this, like when he's, like, ten or something, he takes on a gang and beats the shit out of the entire gang. And then he just does more fighting and more fighting. The, the whole thing's just a dude who fights as he gets older and older. And he just fights different martial artists... And the guy who made the manga is just a huge, just fighting fan. So there's a point in in it where the world's strongest character in this thing meets Muhammad Ali, and he's just basically just filleting his entire career and talking about how great Muhammad Ali is, and he's just this amazing guy. And basically, Muhammad Ali's boxing style was so good, you could call it a martial art. And... That the only reason why Muhammad Ali wasn't the greatest fighter of all time is because he stopped fighting for like three or four years because he uh, dodged the draft mm-hmm. because he refused to go to the war, and so he builds up the guys. So he builds up Muhammad Ali Jr. as a big character, as a big fighter in it, and things like that. Where he just really, really likes martial arts and martial mm-hmm. artists. So he's just blowing those characters, and the fighting doesn't look bad, but it's just the dialogue's awful. Uh, the concepts are ridiculous. It's it just takes martial arts to a silly degree, and it's so bad. But I watch it anyway. The the thing that I found okay, so I don't really watch boxing, so I don't think I appreciated the nuance of boxing. Yeah, 
the thing that I didn't understand about boxing that someone was explaining was um, uh, you want to get punched in the face as much as possible without getting hurt. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Where, well, yeah, the point is, if you, like, you can dodge a punch, but if you, like, I don't know, are, like, doing the Matrix or something where you're, like, like really, like, bending backwards, you can't counterpunch because you're far away now. Yeah. So if you manage to dodge as little as possible, then you can counterpunch harder. So if you just, you know, like, if it's mostly just kind of, like, glove. And so, like, I don't know, I didn't realize that's, like, that's what they talk about, like, boxers moving their head uh, they're just like moving their head to just the right place to not really get punched but not really move that far uh i did not realize i was like oh i could see how that thing like i think it was when they're doing the mcgregor mayweather fight hmm. and about like why mcgregor was just gonna get killed it's like yeah you can't like you can't learn that level of head bobbing in a <laughs> year or something like that that's a hard skill yeah like i'm like i think my favorite boxer like for the Flash, it's about Mike Tyson because he just killed people. But uh, my favorite, I think, is George Foreman. Because George Foreman, uh, he could take a punch, he could give a punch, but his style was all about not letting you even swing a punch at him. It's a very interesting style he had. Where, basically, because he was just a big guy. He was a big, strong guy, so it's a lot of manhandling the other guy. So you can watch footage of his fights where... His style is he puts his hands in front of you the whole time, so you are basically just too busy attacking him and hoping he doesn't hit you. And he'll just, he just puts his hands on your arms and pushes you down. He just keeps, it's like a weird bully style that he does, where he's just using his hands and his arms to prevent you from doing any real punches. So it's a lot of containment. And that's, that's really frustrating for a fighter. So he doesn't take a lot of punches, he just stuffs them in weird ways. And then, because he hits really hard, when you get really frustrated, you're just easier to hit. Mm-hmm. That's that was kind of his style. Muhammad Ali beat him though with the within the um, the Rumble in the Jungle. I think that's was that one. Uh, no, nah. yeah, it's got to be that was the Rumble in the Jungle, the one in Africa. Or mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the wrong name because some of his fights just had names. It wasn't the Thrill in Manila was the one where he should have died. Um, mm-hmm. They went too long in that fight, uh, but. Yeah, it's the one where he fought George Foreman in Africa. And his whole style was just taking punches until George Foreman got tired, and then he just took him out. That's that's what that fight was. It was just, just keep getting hit, take the smartest hits you can, minimize the damage, and then once George Foreman's finally tired, take him out. George- I, uh, yeah. I, did, uh, I did wrestling in high school, mm-hmm. and wrestling matches are six minutes long in high school anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man... Uh, I have never been more tired than, like, a wrestling match that, like, goes into overtime. Uh, it's weird. It's like, I don't know, it's like sprinting with weights for six minutes or something like that. Like, it's just hard. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know, MMA fights and uh, boxing matches and things like that. That sounds like, uh, I mean, some of those go on for a long time. That sounds incredibly exhausting. Yeah, especially with, um, like, you go to MMA with uh, Boyce Gracie. Uh, I... I think one of his fights was because they used to do tournament style where you did all your fights in one night. Mm-hmm. I remember correctly, one time he had to just bow out because he used all his energy because he went 
every he won the full rounds where he was just controlling the guy the entire fight. And that takes everything you've got. And so he won his fight, but he was just too damn tired to do the next round. I mean, the next uh, fight. Because then when you're wrestling a guy, you gotta put in a... Because you're using everything you've got to control a guy who's using everything he's got to get out of you. Yeah, it's weird. I I really like wrestling, but like sometimes if you look at really high-level wrestling, uh, it's like there's a little bit of like unstoppable force meets unmovable object. Where like some sometimes they're just boring in the sense of like yo these guys are too good man like like it's weird because like when you're in it like yo it takes a lot of effort for those two guys to like not be moving that much if that makes sense like mm-hmm. they're just kind of like pushing on each other as hard as they can kind of thing and they're both really good and nothing's really happening but it's like nah it's really exhausting <laughs> for nothing to happen this much yeah like if we ever got um I think we'd need technology to just show the movement of muscle. Like, just, like, heat sink or something, just to show <coughs> uh, what's actually going on on the inside. Just, they're moving in these ways, and they're really trying to push into each other, and they're just countering each other really well. There'd have to be just some way to be able to show it. Because it's the same thing with martial arts. When you get, like, too high-level, just, these guys know everything about martial arts kind of level, where they're, like, master black belts and whatever arts. You get them next to each other. And they'll be taking stances, and they'll just keep changing stances the whole time. Because they, they both fully understand what these stances can do, and it's just them trying to find an, uh, just trying to find a way to get to each other that works. So it's really boring to watch, because it's just... I was like, oh, he's pulling out rock, I gotta pull out paper. And oh, great, he sees I'm pulling out paper, so he's pulling out scissors. It's kind of that the whole time. Well, so you those were... get boring. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean for sure, yeah, a lot of it's like... <laughs> A lot of it's like waiting to get the other person off balance and like yeah. trying to set them up to be off balance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if they're both good, they're going to both be trying to set the other person up and stopping the other person. So like it's yeah, it's going to be a lot of stalemating. But the um, you were talking about in the Abaki, the grappler, mm-hmm. uh, like oh, like he almost he like brought boxing to be a martial art. I was just like, I feel like I feel like boxing is more real than most martial arts. Does, does that make sense? Like, martial arts are kind of contrived at a certain point. Yeah. Like, boxing's contrived a little, too. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, people, like, I don't know, do martial arts. Or, I mean, honestly, people do boxing, too. And I don't think it necessarily works either. But, like, people do martial arts. Like, I can defend myself from a mugging. I'm like, man, no, you can't. <laughs> don't whip that out. That's, that stuff's not real. Kramagra's not going to save you. Just run away. Yeah. Like, give uh, uh, Give them your wallet or run away. Just don't don't fight them. Okay, so so yeah, karate is what I was raised on because my dad's a master. He was second. He was uh, second best in California for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, his advice is yeah, um, because it's karate. Karate is about self defense, and depending on which style we're talking about, one style is uh, one style's advice, and it's probably the best advice is. If you're at a good distance, you find a distraction and run the hell away. If you're too close to them, you find a distraction and then you try to take them out. Like, it depends on your distance. Like, if you see the mugger coming, you find some way to distract the mugger and just, just run. Or you run and then find some way to, dis- to get distance between you and them as you're running. Like, that's the advice. Because the entire point of self-defense is to not get in a fight in the first place. Fighting is the last, tr- is the last option. So, I mean, you know, 
It also depends how desperate muggers are, but like, yeah. I don't know. If they have a weapon, just give them your wallet. Like, it's also a choice. Yeah. They're not. They're not here to assassinate you. Probably. <laughs> uh, like, it's gonna be very rare. It's like, yo, this person's here to assassinate you. Like, oh, word. Like, okay, I guess you should do something then. But like, otherwise, it's like not worth it. Just give them the. You know, I don't know. I yeah. feel like I'd do something stupid if I got mugged. Like, can I just get my? Can I keep my driver's license? Like, get you all the money you want. Like, I just don't want to like. Have to go to the DMV again? Like here's mm-hmm. here's yeah you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's a lot of what I like. What I like the most about it was like yeah, here's how to punch and here's how to kick and all and how to throw and all this. But it was also a lot of lessons in um, if you get in these situations, these are what you should be considering. Like, is it better to just run? Is it better to fight? Is it better to just try to talk it out? Like, it's not only just fight. Like the the real style is you don't just fight. That's only if you don't have any other choice. And that's what I like about uh, Karate Totten in that one way. Another way is you make your body into a weapon so you can destroy anything that bothers you. That's another style. And you do that style by beating the shit out of your body. And that's not really good for the day-to-day person. That's more for the like the act- the people who actually are like Ryu from Street Fighter. The ones who want to become a really just a powerful thing. Because hmm. my dad was also trained in that style as well. So you would just punch a tree every day, like a thousand punches a day. You'd kick it a thousand kicks a day until basically your bones were just cracked, broken, and they rehealed to the point that you just had no knuckles. You just had this big bare bone that could wreck people. That is another style of karate where you just make your body resistant to pain and it can do pain. Does that? It sounds like there's a better way to do that. But there probably is. But that was that's like the old style. That's like hundreds of years of doing it this one way. That sounds like you're talking before about putting acid in baby's eyes. That sounds like <laughs> the putting acid in baby's eyes of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, this is like old style, like 200-year-old style. You people, made your body stronger people, by people, callus. People 200 years ago didn't know shit. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's why... Some like styles don't always evolve, and some do, and some don't. That's just how it is. Like, like that's the whole thing with like Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee was trying to evolve the art, while a bunch of styles were like, "No, it's been good for hundreds of years. We don't need to change shit." And that's why a lot of those styles are actually not that good. They're not that useful. They might have like one or two yeah. good moves, but most of it's not. Me, that great. I, you know, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, to me, if you're getting into martial arts, I don't know. You want to work out? It's kind of fun. Yeah. I just yeah, I, I throw shade on the like. I need to defend myself from a mugger. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> Give them your wallet or run away, or both, maybe. Like, I don't know, it's just like, uh, uh, oh. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna land a roundhouse kick. Like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> well, yeah, you're just gonna the, grab your leg, and then you'll be, feel like a dumbass. Like, yeah. like, the real lessons are, like, here's what you can try to do, but you want to never get to that situation in the first place. Those are the real lessons. So it's like, yeah, don't go into a dark alley. <laughs> Like, don't be out late at, at the wrong time or whatever. Like, those are, like, usually the more... Like, the best fighters, the ones who never get in a fight, is really always the, argu- is the argument of what you want to do. Is you never want to get in a fight in the first place. Listen, I've watched a lot of anime <laughs> and a lot of uh, other shows and action-based shows, and fights just come to you no matter what, like a gang of street toughs. Yep. Crack their knuckles and say, not so fast, mister, and you're forced to fight. <laughs> Backs again, and that happens at least twice an episode, I'm pretty sure. 
No, I think, hey, there's some other bit where people are just like, television misled me about how often, you know, I would be encountering quicksand as an adult. <laughs> I think that's uh, John Mulaney. Um, yeah, like, we don't encounter quicksand at all. I encounter, I I encounter a lot of potholes. Is quicksand even real? It is in the jungle, I guess? But, but, like, in the way we think of quicksand being real? No, apparently quicksand is it's actually way doable to get out of it. You just have to know how. Hmm. Like, you can kind of walk out of quicksand. Hmm. Like, oh, okay. Because, like, quicksand doesn't swallow you up, like, because of, I think, like, buoyancy or something like that. Your head's always above the the sand, so you don't die from drowning in it. You die from, like, thirst because you're stuck in it. Okay. I mean, do you just, I don't know, do I, I, you just, like, grab onto something and pull yourself out, or what? You Something just move like very you move very slowly towards the edge and pull yourself out. Yeah, like you can just pull yourself out, you just slowly get out. That if I remember correctly how I what I was told. There's plenty of videos on YouTube of people getting themselves in quicksand and pulling themselves out, so it's easy to, to see. What about riptides? I feel like riptides actually would kill you. Yeah, that's killed relatives. That has killed relatives. That that's that's some shit that sucks. That's why I hate I the, I'm scared you, of the beach because that shit. You just swim parallel, right? You if swim parallel the and then you swim back? I actually don't know the answer for it, because right? I'm just scared of the ocean because of that shit. Alright, my understanding is, <laughs> I thought it's just like, for some reason you're stuck in a current taking you out to ocean, and yeah. the problem is, if you just try and swim back as fast as you can, it's just pushing you. you'll, you'll get exhausted. Yeah. And so the issue is, is you just roll with it, and you just swim parallel to the shore... Because the rip current isn't for the whole fucking shore. It's just for, like, whatever part you're in. Yeah. So you just swim to the left or right until you're out of it, and then you swim back. Sounds logical to me, honestly. I don't go to the ocean that much, but yeah, if I was caught in a rip current, <laughs> that'd be scary as fuck. Yeah, I've lost relatives to that. Rip currents have taken out relatives. I don't know. Um, of course, uh, I had to teach myself how to swim, so I don't trust myself in the ocean anyway. Uh, we've definitely broken three hours. I think we're good. Okay. Yeah, it's good pol politics talk. And then I don't, uh, if we do another politics talk, it'll be if Trump wins, I figure like, oh shit, now what? Uh, I, I didn't even get into the doomsday scenarios of Trump. Winning. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I feel like there's plenty of doomsday scenario happening right now where people are like, what happens when Trump says, fuck you guys, I'm still president. Like, yeah, I mean, okay, if he gets dunked on, like, if he loses Florida, I think he's going to lose just a lot of credibility. Like, the narrative will, like, form against him pretty fast. Hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't really get into it, but, yeah, there would be a problem if, like, Biden barely wins. Uh, Trump might muddies the waters in a really unproductive way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going over those odds. Those odds don't necessarily take into account... Uh, like Russians hacking things. Now that said, the Russian interference is real, but I think it was more like bullshit Facebook disinformation and shit like that. Yeah. And it's not, I don't, I think that's already kind of built into the system at this point of how much bullshit there is. Like mm -hmm. at this point, I don't know if the Russians, like the Russians definitely make up shit and it kind of goes through their weird 
disinformation claiming process. But I mean, there's enough Americans at this point coming up with total bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you know, too. The real issue is like if like I don't know Russians hack computers and literally change votes, but like that would be that would be one way for the odds I said to be totally wrong. Um, but I don't know. That's also so blatant that I don't know. I think eventually they figure that out, but that could be uh, problematic if some bullshit like that happens. Yeah, like it's the annoying thing about Trump is he's very much a cry wolf type. So it's before 2016 he was doing all the bitching he could about the electoral college because he was confident he'd get the uh, the popular vote. So he bitched about the electoral college for weeks. And then he, he wins because of it. He's like, oh, great, okay, electoral college is apparently amazing. So I will say, I don't remember him complaining about electoral college. I, he was complaining about... Um, he was saying we should get rid of it. I remember that. Well, that's just true. Maybe he was just saying that because that's true. Yeah, um, true, too, yeah. The, uh, the issue is... Uh, the issue is... Um, no, he was throwing shade on you know a, a voter fraud, like in-person voter fraud. Yeah. And now, now this year it's the opposite of mail is fraud and in-person voter is good. Like <laughs> the, um, the th- all right, the real thing is, especially last time, I think Trump just wanted to, like, he just wanted to throw shade on the election, and then he wanted to lose, and he wanted to say I'm the real winner, but they robbed it from me. By the way, I'm launching a new television network, Trump TV. Yeah. Listen to me complain. So apparently Trump TV is back on the table because I think they think they're losing again. Um, so they've been talking about making that again. But like the problem is, like, I think like Trump deep down didn't think he was going to win last time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This time he's depressed. Like, I don't know. There's definitely a lot of agitation from him where it seemed because he this th- there's, there's a lot of evidence that he's going to lose. He could just be, I mean, now that he's, he could just be in way more denial this time. Uh, but, the, I mean, the issue is, I think he has a somewhat reasonable fear that, I think he has a somewhat reasonable fear that he might go to jail if he isn't the president. Yeah. Uh, because you can't, like, indict a sitting president. So a lot of stuff that was kind of pushed on the back burner because he's president could come back to bite him. So I don't know. You might get some really weird, super desperate stuff out of him. Um, but He's been really aggressive. Him and Barr have done a lot of aggressive stuff lately. So yeah, Barr's kind of a piece of shit. I don't. I don't understand why these people are so into uh, authoritarian rule. Like, yeah, maybe if Trump never loses and you know is the, the king for the next ten years or something, like that would work out. But like. I don't know why they're so interested in making the president so powerful when like, you know, there's eventually going to be, even if Biden loses, they're eventually going to be a Democrat president. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know uh, why you want to like remove all the guard guardrails, but anyway, it's been a great time. Lost scarf. Thanks for <laughs> chatting. Thanks for chatting with me. Yep. Uh, I hope, I hope you have a speedy, Albeit incredibly, it's probably going to be incredibly long recovery for your back. It sucks. I don't even think, like, I think I rambled on about it. It, It's just, it's pain, everyone. It's pain. All I know is pain. This is supposed to happen in like 35 more years. Not now. Not, not now. Uh, It's very insulting the way I'm wording it, but like, it's making me scared of just being old. (laughs) 
and needing other people to help me with shit, because that's what's happening right now, mm-hmm. it's humbling and humiliating. And that's a bad way to put it, because, like, disabled people would be like, well, you're an asshole, then. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I'm not wording this well. As, as a normal person being disabled for a little while, it really sucks. And I get some idea. And, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing the stuff you get used to. Like, I had really mm-hmm. bad stomach problems last year, oh, and yeah. like, I, I couldn't eat normally for, like, three months. And I would have fucking killed someone to eat a piece of fruit. <laughs> and, like... And, uh, eventually I got a lot better. It's just weird how your body gets used to it and you're just like, like completely block out this horrible, painful time in your life. Like, oh, I'm good again. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it, it's weird how, how quickly you take for granted basic things once they're better. But when you don't have them, you're like, this is a living nightmare. How could people deal with this? It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. This time last week I was in and out of consciousness and just in writhing in pain and I'm already blocked out most of it. I can't remember much of what happened last week already. So, uh, there you go. Alright, so, this has been basically a podcast uh, with 2Prime. Check out their videos or not. Uh, check out their videos. Um, I, am I, am I, I, are you making me a gender-neutral pronoun person now? No, I just get used to it because I have so many gender-neutral friends. I just say they a lot. Um... I mean, I am an anime girl with a male voice, <laughs> so I mean, I am a little more androgynous than most people. There you go. Um, I recommend the Satan one, though. What's the name of that video? The Antichrist announces he's running in the 2024 yeah, presidential campaign. Watch that one at least. Like, I, I really like the anime one, but that one will honestly upset some people. But the Satan one, I love that one. I really like that one. It's such a... That really takes the piss. I like that one a lot. Yeah, I mean, for the record, I mean, like I said, I'm not even like, I'm not like pro-abortion either. I'm just, uh, like, I would favor policies that would, you know, help reduce abortion numbers. It's just like, I don't believe in like selling your literal soul against every value (laughs) you possibly have in exchange. Yeah. So it's a good video. Like, my frustration with with, uh, that one is, well, because it's very much like religion against... There are people who aren't religious that are against abortion too, but like it feels like it's a it's a very religious uh, policy, and they're just not willing to do safe sex. They'd rather because th- they're abstinence only, and it gets really frustrating with abstinence only. It, you know, it gets like, really the, well. The thing, you know, abstinence. Like, actually, all right, uh, <laughs> it's more of a personal thing. I don't abstinence only isn't that bad as like a personal choice someone makes yeah yeah. uh i don't know if it's necessarily like a amazing like nationwide policy recommendation uh it's not a horrible option there's i think there's pros to it the issue is just more like catholics think birth control is wrong and that's stupid yes that's like stupid even if birth control is wrong like adults being sinful is not as bad. Like if you're going on like birth control is wrong, but fetuses have souls, adults being sinful is not as bad as fetuses getting created and disposed of unnecessarily. So like, because it's in a weird religious context, they can't like do the lesser of two evils math, but no condoms are not like who cares about condoms like i like i much rather live in a world where condoms are free and birth and abortions are less free uh, less frequent yeah you know 
Um, they're not willing to budge on that. It's abstinence only. They don't want to even mention condoms or birth control or any of that shit, which is annoying. It should be every option is presented and should have less abortions. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, whatever, like absence only isn't like, I mean, from a religious perspective, it's okay to be married and have sex. They're not advocating absence only in perpetuity. Yeah. Like even, even married people need birth control in some way, or they're going to have 20 kids. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, but yeah, that's that. <laughs> uh, we've ended this thing like four times now, yeah, but why yeah, not yeah. one more time? All right. So thank you everyone. Um, next podcast uh, won't be politics that'll be for sure we'll see what it'll be uh, I haven't lined anything up because my back dictates what's happening so that's uh, been basically a podcast I had fun up if I'm watching I'll have uh, the link to the Satan video for sure in the description I won't have the topic in the description because any of those topics will just trigger the bots to demonetize and hide the video I don't want that to happen so uh you, you should have you should have how about you should have like signposts of new topics whether you say the words or not like yeah some way around it because if i just put abortion that it automatically shadow bans the video like <laughs> um like i'll have to find some way to word it where it's like, yeah it just it just have the timestamps and people can jump around yeah something like that i'll do that because i have to review this video because of all the editing i gotta do <laughs> I watch every, I watch I listen to every podcast after all. I don't just I don't just shave the ends and put it on. So um yeah, uh there'll be timestamps for well saying at the end of it doesn't mean shit. Um yeah, that's it. And then next guest okay. we'll figure it out. Thanks for coming by everyone. See you next time.